Do it again, Radio Roger. You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy episode 514. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, the view from our side of the cockpit door, with your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 3B at the Doubletree by Hilton in Madison, Wisconsin. Today's show is recorded on the 23rd of March, 2022. Today's episode, an Airbus A321 has trouble landing in Belgrade. Two nations sue Russia for shooting down a commercial flight over Ukraine eight years ago. More news, your feedback, and today's plain tale, the fall of American One. So get all settled in, tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions, electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 514 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger Stern. He's an award-winning TV and radio reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation. 10-10 wins in... New York City! I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, Georgia. And joining us today from her lakeside studio in South... A doctor, skydiver, marathon runner, strength training junkie, IPA connoisseur, and commercial multi-engine instrument rated backstabbing jumper dumper. It's Dr. Steph. Hey guys, it's so good to see you all. I had to check back in so I could remember what you looked like. It's been a minute and I apologize for that, but looking forward to a great show today and yeah, really glad to see you all. Well, we missed you, Steph. Glad you're here with us and also joining us. From his home studio in the Valley of the Sun, he's a world traveler, airplane mechanic, Breitling Cognoscenti, fitness hound, and international air freight captain. It's Captain Rick. Or hey, Miami Rick, we like to call him. <laughs> yeah, Miami Rick. I don't I don't like distinctions of uh, three or four or five or six stripes. They're all the same to me, we're all pilots. But uh, happy to be back. It's been a while, as, uh, as uh, Steffi said here, but uh, it's going to be a good one. Got a lot to talk about. Awesome. Glad to see you. Yeah, we missed you as well. And also, from his studio, in Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire, a professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways, it's Captain Nick. Well, hi, everybody. And uh, there's so many people here in the, uh, the stream. It doesn't look like we're socially distancing very well. Hmm. Do we still do that now? I thought that was all over. Maybe not. Hey, you know what? Also joining us from his home studio in the air capital, low and slow pilot, old airplane enthusiast, and engineer in the aerospace and defense industry, (laughs) it's Nick Macho Camacho. Hey, guys. I'm glad to be back. It's been uh, a couple of shows since I've been on, so happy to be checking in. Yeah, I know. We missed you, too. Gosh, like uh, the only people that have been here have been... uh, uh, well, this lady here, uh, I'm about to introduce. Uh, I'm just going to hit this thing right here. Here it goes. Nice, dude. Uh-huh. 
from her studio in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Retired financier, aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer director, it's Liz Piper. Hi, everybody. Sorry. Yeah, for so the it's just been Liz. <laughs> Hi, Liz. <laughs> and, Sorry for the and, wrong and, overlay uh, there, Jim. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I just started looking at it and going, wait a minute. This is I not. Got the co- they're both blue. I got confused. <laughs> I <know. laughs> this is odd. And uh, yeah, that's not audio feedback. Anyway, um, I thought, can I, can I change it uh, with enough time to get back to my screen with all the uh, opening uh, scripts? And I, and I did it. So there we go. Not a problem. But nice to see all of you. I mean, I think this is the first time that we've had this many of us on the show at the same Pretty time. Cool. So uh-huh. I'm excited yeah. about it. Edding says and it's I like can't... the Brady Bunch. It's kind of like the Brady Bunch here. <laughs> it's a story Brady, of an APG. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's uh, let's before we uh, just completely mess this whole thing up. Why don't we uh, why don't we talk about some aviation news? What do you think? Do it. I like it. Stand by for news. This is relatively recent news. Just a couple of days ago, um, a China Eastern Boeing 737-800, not a MAX, uh, registration Bravo 1791 performing flight 5735 from Kunming to Guangzhou, China, with 123 passengers and nine crew on board, was en route at 8,900 meters, let's just say about flight level 291, about 29,000 feet, about 130 nautical miles west of uh, Guangzhou, nearing the top of descent. At uh, 1420 local time, when the aircraft suddenly lost altitude and impacted the ground about 119 nautical miles west of Guangzhou in mountainous terrain, a search and rescue operation reached the crash site but found no survivors. China's Civil Aviation Authority, the CAAC, confirmed the aircraft has crashed. Contact with the aircraft was lost in the uh, Wuzhou region, I guess. Um, anyway, the airline confirmed the crash and fatalities in a note to the stock exchanges, though not stating how many people had died in the crash. Uh, China's Civil Aviation Authority has opened an investigation into the crash. The NTSB has appointed an accredited representative and have joined the investigation together with representatives of Boeing and the engine manufacturer CFM. Uh, on March 22nd, uh, today, no, yesterday, uh, the CAAC held a press, press conference stating that they, the search for the black boxes is still underway, although I think that there is an update. Uh, let me read the, the most recent one. Um, one of the black boxes has been found. Uh, no word on its condition, though. I, I hear it's in pretty bad shape. Hopefully they'll be able to get some uh, data or data from the um, recorder. And then we're not even sure if it's a flight data recorder or a cockpit voice recorder at this point. Um, unless they've gotten some even more recent news, uh, air traffic control communication was normal until loss of communication, no emergency calls or reports of difficulties. That's kind of strange. Weather was okay. The captain had accumulated 6,709 flight hours total. The first officer, and I think this might be a misprint because, or a typo. Yeah. 31,769 flight hours. That's a lot of flying. I don't even have that much. (laughs) So I'm thinking maybe they 
added an extra number. In uh, I have uh, read that uh, he was uh, a fairly experienced guy, um, not close close to retirement. So oh, it is well, possible. maybe it is. Okay. Uh, in fact, um, one uh, you know these things are unverified, often on Twitter, um, saying mm-hmm. that actually he was uh, a check and training captain, but um, oh, sitting in the right hand okay. seat. But uh, oh. I haven't had confirmation of that. Just stuff okay. I'm picking up from social media. Gotcha. So, yeah, then it very well could be that he had that many hours. That's that's a lot of experience. And the second, uh, the other second, or no, the second officer, uh, 556 hours. All of them uh, in good family relations. I think they wanted to throw that in there because there has been speculation that this is possibly one of those uh, suicide kind of events. But, again, that's just speculation. Um, the mode S data transmitted by the aircraft suggests the aircraft was en route, uh, about 29,000 feet. And well, we just, we, we said that earlier. Uh, and again, this is from the aviation Herald and, uh, there is some video taken from, I believe a security, uh, closed circuit TV, uh, camera or, uh, yeah. And let me, uh, let me get that thing queued up and we can look at it. It doesn't last very long. And it's kind of hard to uh, hard, hard to watch, actually. But just for the sake of reporting this accurately, let's uh, take a look. And there it is. And boom. it's a near ver- vertical dive before it impacted the ground. And then the damage on the uh, the the fire on the ground. And uh, yeah, you hear all that popping? Is that like? Things that are blowing up on the airplane. Um, oh, I don't know. He's telling us. Oh, okay. Um, so let's see. I'm going to go back and and we'll uh, hear this again. I don't know what that noise is. Maybe it's the fire no, cracking yeah. in the trees. The crackling of the fire. Yeah, it could be the fire crackling in the trees i don't know anyway uh, i'm gonna go ahead and mute this so we don't have to hear everybody talking so um yes that that nine crew nine crew members on a plane that size was a lot of crew members that yeah liz is making the point that nine crew members seems like a lot of a lot of crew members for uh well i don't you know i guess maybe a a typical 737 800 would have a minimum of four flight attendants, and that would just be maybe two extras. Um, so I guess maybe not totally unusual. Um, what is it? One. Uh, so one what do you guys 50? think? Yes, but I guess that they have the. I, I would assume that they have the same kind of uh, regulations regarding that as we do, um, yeah. and and the uh, IAZA regulations. Yeah. As for what could have happened. It's way, way too early to even begin to speculate. Um, I have no idea. I one one thing that really upsets me about this whole thing, well, aside from the obvious loss of life and and all that uh, aspect of this, is the the fact that you're you're starting to see a lot of um, kind of you know just fake news showing up. Um, you know, certain things being uh, portrayed as the aircraft in question when it's you know, it, it's not the case. Uh, I saw uh, several several places where they they pick up a screen grab from um, uh, a certain documentary uh, that it, you know where where a seven thirty seven is involved in an, in an accident as well, and they and they uh, try to pass this pass that off as this particular incident. And so, 
when when things are you know just starting to develop, um, it's I mean the worst thing anyone could possibly do is start to you know just kind of speculate because one it's irresponsible, and two is disrespectful. And so uh, if we don't have the fact that I I I am of the of the mindset to just kind of let the facts roll in and then go from there. Yeah. I think that's uh, yeah. and, you know, a it's, smart it's thing to do. Kind of human nature to want to try to recreate a story for anything when it happens. But this type of thing, it takes a very long time to kind of go back and put the puzzle pieces back together and figure out what circumstances led to, to this tragedy. Mm-hmm. It's not a quick, uh, <laughs> quick understanding usually. No, and and again, you have to remember that it's never just one cause that brings an aircraft down. It's never just one thing. It's a, it's a chain of events, and that's and then the hard part is to establish that chain of events and to see how that chain of events got uh, you know how how the snowball started to come down the down the hillside there. Uh, but until, like I said, until we get a, a a better understanding, better grasp on what's really going on here, what might have cost this, it's it's the best thing we can do is just kind of wait for that information to come in and then go from there. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, anything, Nick, you want to add or any of the Nicks? Well, I, I would say it's, it's unusual in the, in the circumstance that it's an extremely steep dive. So, you know, I'm looking at that, those few uh, seconds of frame thinking, I can't see the wings. Uh, of course it could be side on that. Uh, and I can't see a fin, you know, it just looks like a, a tube. Uh, of course, it's not a detailed picture. But, you know, normally you'd be able to see a little bit of something perhaps. We might just be unlucky in the angle we're getting it from a uh, side on, so you're not going to see much at all. But, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm really scratching my head as to work out how you get an aircraft into a near vertical dive from 30-odd thousand feet. Uh, and just pile it straight in the ground without some indication of what the problem is. All right. To be continued. To be continued. I just realized now our next uh, item in the notebook, I tried to get some of uh, this video. Um, hmm. And I think it's kind of kind of crucial for us to play the video, but it's not, I guess it didn't work out for me. It's not in my, in my uh, folder let me see if I can do something alternatively and share it. Um, so hang on, a little bit of a technical pause. This is from Aviation Herald. Um, incident um, Alliance AT-72 at Jabalpur on March 12th, overran runway on landing, as you said. So the Alliance Air Avion de Transport Regional ATR-72 registration uh, Victor Tango, Alpha India Whiskey, performing flight 9I617 from Delhi to Jabalpur with 55 passengers and five crew, landed on the uh, runway 24 at about uh, 1313 local, but overran the end of the runway. The crew attempted to steer the aircraft to the left and stop the aircraft off the left edge of the pavement of the runway. Uh, and safety gra- safety aerial and gravel about 60 meters past the runway end. There were no injuries. The damage to the aircraft is being assessed. The airline reported that the aircraft shot off, in quotes, the runway by about 10 meters. India's DGCA is investigating. According to a passenger video, which I think we have coming up here shortly, that surfaced on March 14th, 
The aircraft was on a correct profile for approach to runway 24, however, floated along the runway and touched down after the last fixed distance marker of the touchdown zone, markings which were in the opposite direction, about 1,400 meters or 4,600 feet down the runway, with about 580 meters or 1,900 feet of landing distance remaining. Uh, the uh, India's AIB reported that the aircraft overran the runway, received minor damage, and the occurrence was rated a serious incident, incident and is being investigated. So if you have that All right, video. you want to see the video? Yeah, I have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen here now, though, having read that. Yeah, everything looks really great until the flare and then the float. So here, let's look at it. Uh, hit play, Jeff. Where is the play button? <laughs> Where's the button? Here we go. <laughs> Closer to the ground, and there's the answer. The, the uh, repeller's not turning. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there's the problem. And, uh, <laughs> there's your problem. <laughs> okay, so uh, there's so, the okay, first, the threshold. Yeah, the oh, that was threshold. There's yeah, yeah, two thousand. Yep. And then okay, we're still we haven't touched down yet. Still haven't touched down yet. Still flying. Still flying. Still flying. A lot of the runway is gone now. Uh oh. All right. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. oh, now we're down. Oh, kind of. All right. Get down again. Bounce, bounce. And Reverse. then there's the end of the runway. Oh, there's the, the number. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Well, now I'm thinking, okay, let's hear the PA. Hello? Anybody? Hello? They're going, you think we can just push the power up and, like, taxi back onto the pavement at this point? <laughs> you think anybody will notice? I think anyone will notice. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> we were um, there in the cabin, though. Yeah. And that's that's pretty much it, folks. Yep. Well, you hmm. see what happened here is that the ATR comes equipped with a, um, with a uh, hook, like... Um, uh, naval aircraft do and uh, this particular flight the hook was written up and so was oh. the um, cable arresting system at the airport and so um, that's, yeah, that's what the no, but seriously oh man that's that 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 is something else I, uh, oof yeah yeah you've got a long time to make a decision about you? maybe going around and trying around. it again <laughs> you mean like hey we've you can always yeah. go around yeah. yeah come on yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, they decided it's not to. Very interesting scenario here. Um, mm. Yeah, I tell you, I, I start seeing, and, and and the thing with with at least in my experience, um, <laughs> when you when you start talking about um, uh, landing distance calculations and all that kind of stuff, it's 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 a piece of information that's part. It's an it's 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 a very important part of the of the landing briefing, the approach briefing, right? So uh, you, you figure out. I mean, it's not like you're coming in, and I don't know what kind of system these people use, but um, in the in the airlines that I've worked before, uh, part of that approach briefing is figuring out how much runway you are going to use based on the current conditions and all stuff like that. And then um, and, and these and these numbers, these these. Uh, these distances are very, very, very conservative distances. Um, you have what's called a, a factored landing distance and, un, and an unfactored landing distance. And whenever you get your numbers from a device like an Omber Performance Tool or ACARS, error data, that kind of stuff, 
the numbers that are sent back to you uh, from that system are numbers that consider a 15% safety factor. So say the landing distance is, you know, um, I don't know, 10,000 feet. You take to, you take 15% off of that, and that is really what your landing distance is going to be. And that's the difference between getting your numbers off of a, an, an OPT or air data type uh, platform versus getting them off of your QRH, which at the very, very bottom in very small prints say that those distances are unfactored. Those are the actual distances. Um, so when you, when you, that's one thing to keep in mind when you're, when you're using QRH distances, those distances are in fact what the, what you can expect in reality. Um, and so, but I mean, but that's all where mileage may vary. Yeah, well, yeah. Results don't <laughs> guarantee. Yeah, future. I mean, just in the mirror, maybe that's closer all well than good that. as long as you touch down where you're supposed to touch down, because you know you can yeah. you can you can touch down and uh, and and have your 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 pre predicted rollout length, but it doesn't matter if half of it's going to be you know off road. So you know, just uh, just touch down where you're supposed to, and if it look, if it looks like you're not going to, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, there's many things that come into account. Uh, uh, and it's happened to me. In fact, going into San Bernardino the other day, uh, it's one of these airports where um, we can only land runway zero six, right? Um, and the prevailing winds and that part of the uh, uh, the the valley there are predominantly out of the west. So we can't we can't go we can't do a a, a circuit to land maneuver to runway two four. So we always have to land runway zero six there. So that's something to keep in mind. And one thing that I do is on my on my CDU there, the control display unit on progress page two, I have a, a real time measure of what my tailwind component is. Uh, now a lot of airplanes can land with up to 15 knots, um, 10 to 15 knots uh, maximum tailwind uh, component. Um, and so keep an eye on that. And if you, if you, if you find yourself starting to float, you know, just scrub it, go around, come back around and then, and then try again. And, and, and in many, in many instances, like, like in San Bernardino, um, the later in the day it gets, the stronger the wind out of the way, uh, uh, out of the West becomes. And so it, it, it might just be better to just go ahead and go to your alternate, you know, land into the wind. And so, uh, but you know, the, the crux of the story here, the, the point I'm trying to make here is if, if, if you're not going to, if you feel like you're not going to make it, just, just go around. There's nothing wrong with that. It's no fall policy. Just go around and live to fight another day. Yeah. That's why we are. We're always singing. It. You can always go around. <laughs> yep. John, yes, John sir. has a good point there in the John, uh, Legacy, uh, in the live audience says ATR stands for almost touched the runway. Okay. In this case, that's true. That's spot on. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Well, next. let's go to the next one here. Um, a sun country Boeing 737-800 at Las Vegas, not a max. This is from uh, the Aviation Herald. Registration November 817 Sierra Yankee performing flight 110 from Las Vegas to Minneapolis with 50 passengers, six crew climbing out of Las Vegas's runway one right when the crew stopped the climb at 9,500 feet due to a problem with the right hand main gear. The crew performed troubleshooting and about 30 minutes after departure position for an approach to runway 26 right about 40 minutes after departure. Huh? <laughs> Crew performed troubleshooting about 30 minutes after departure position for an approach 
about 40 minutes after departure. <laughs> so take them, take them uh, I'm not sure right. what that means. Yeah. They, they were uh, during the lane- for 10 minutes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is that the way you read that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, during the landing roll, I read it, I don't know. Uh, during the landing okay. rollout, sparks were Badly. seen from the right-hand gear. Shut up, Liz. Uh, the aircraft came to a stop <laughs> on the runway and was disabled. The passengers disembarked via stairs and were bussed to the terminal. The FAA reported... Aircraft departed and returned, landed, and gear collapsed. Las Vegas, <laughs> NV. That was an all caps. <laughs> the airline. Is that how you brief oh, the I love this. terms? <laughs> yes, because yeah. they're all in all caps, just shouting yeah, well, for like, it, it gets for like a little 30 noisy minutes. My yeah. <laughs> you know, they have to put, they have to uh, put those, 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 those clap symbols between each, each word. Yeah. Birds in vicinity of Oh, here's some uh, good information. Uh, the airline reported the right hand the right hand main gear malfunctioned. Thank you what? very much for that. In depth analysis. Yeah, the spokesperson's there. last name is uh, Holmes. Mm-hmm. Sherlock, <laughs> Captain yeah, Obvious. That's right. No, no, no kidding, Sherlock. Sherlock. Uh, <laughs> use your own word. Um. Anyway, uh, let's see. Sun Country Flight, uh, the NTSB released their preliminary report stating that the uh, Sun Country Flight 110 departed Harry Reid International Airport, Las Vegas, blah, 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 after the crew moved the landing gear handle to the up position to retract the landing gear, uh, subsequently received a red warning light for the right main landing gear. Crew engaged the autopilot while they consulted the gear disagree checklist. They placed the landing gear handle in the off position. And the autopilot began retrimming the airplane. So they placed the handle back in the up position. Now, what is that? I don't understand what the trimming of the airplane and the handle in the off and up position. I don't know how those are related. So, Maybe somebody so can in, help in, me with that. Yeah. So in, in Boeing airplanes, um, the, yeah. oh, the the older older types, 7.3s. And remember, the 7.37 is a, a design from the from the 60s. Well, a lot of this stuff hasn't, hasn't changed. 50s. Yeah. So... <laughs> So basically, you have three positions on the landing gear lever. You have down, which is self-explanatory. You have up, which is self-explanatory, and then you have off. And the reason why you have off is because, um, uh, depending on the on the hydraulic system that use that that powers the gear retraction and extension system, as long as the landing gear lever is in the up position, the amount of fluid required to bring the landing gear to up is still in the landing gear system. And so by putting these, the lever to off, you're depressurizing that system and returning that fluid back to the reservoirs. And then now the landing gear is just basically held up by up locks. So that's, that's what off does. Um, well, yeah, I, I get fun. that. I don't understand the part that I don't understand because that's the way the 727 was as well. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. What, why was the air? It said something about the airplane the was trim. retrimming was when they retrimming? changed the from the off to the back to the up position. Yeah. What does that have to do with it? Uh, so they said they put the autopilot on. Yeah, the autopilot was on. <laughs> so they, play, well, they, yeah, they, they said put they put the, the autopilot, autopilot on. on. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So Nick. then the. Oh, well, so yeah, say, yeah. I was going to say they put the autopilot on while they started running the checklist and then they moved the landing gear handle, which caused the autopilot to trim the airplane differently. And so they moved yep. the, well, they didn't say that specifically. They just said that the autopilot began retrimming the airplane. So they placed the they handle back in the up position. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of an implied landing gears, thing, but landing gears got nothing to do with the trim at all. I know that's my point. Well, thank what, you. What, what are they, what are they saying? Ah, 
Yeah, just leave a seven twenty seven for many years and just like yeah, this that, is what we do. You know, I understand how the system works. Yeah, that just tells me that they were out of trim. Yeah, it just needed to be trim. I mean, they they made it sound like in this coincidental, perhaps that had yeah, it it it, like it was trimming. So then they put the gear back in position to stop the. I don't know. So I don't know why they put put that in there like that. That's the only portion of the landing gear that would make a difference in trim at all would be the nose gear, but it's just negligible. Um, No, I don't know because I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> I don't know. anyway, uh, let's see. Subsequently, the crew reported hearing a loud sound from after the cockpit. So they declared an emergency, returned to Las Vegas. During the approach, the crew moved the landing gear handle to the down position. They received three green lights. That's good. Green's good. Uh, during the landing, about three seconds after touching down, this is the bad part, uh, the right main landing gear collapsed. The airplane Oops. rolled to the right. The right engine impacted the runway. The crew stopped the airplane on the runway, and the passengers and crew deplaned using air stairs to a waiting bus. The airplane was then moved to the ramp. And uh, examination of the right main landing gear showed the outer cylinder was fractured at the upper end between the forward and aft trunnions. A portion of the landing gear punctured the upper wing skin above the landing gear. The right main landing gear was removed from the airplane, and the fracture surfaces were excised. The RMLG fractures were shipped to the NTSB materials laboratory for further examination. Do you want to see the video that I that somebody yes. took of them coming uh, landing in Las Vegas? It uh, happened. Good, because I just so happened to have it right here. Oops, nope, that's the wrong. Here we go. <laughs> there we go. Oh, yeah, a lot of kind of the latter part of the smoke and stuff of the. Uh, Landing rollout and uh, as nice Liz was lots of mm-hmm. lots well, of sparks and considering that and uh, the broken gear punctured the wing, they're lucky they didn't uh, hit a fuel tank and fire, yeah. yep. have a bad fire. That's exactly what I was going to say. There was yeah. another incident yeah. like that with a uh, with a uncontained engine failure. I remember it was a, at that very airport. It was a, a, a BA triple seven, mm-hmm. right? Yep. But that was, oh, yeah. That was that guy's retirement flight, wasn't it, or something? Yeah. Or he was yeah. about or to retire. very close yeah. to, yeah. Yeah, very yeah. close yeah. to retirement. That was a rejected takeoff? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, rejected yeah. Well, it resulted, yeah. 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 Yep. He's so like, I'm done. Because, uh, yeah, for most of us, if we have an cash problem and get three greens, we kind of relax. We kind of go, oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. It's fixed. I know. <laughs> But, of course, uh, it's quite likely that uh, the gear came down and uh, all the interlocks uh, and position indicators uh, were indicating correctly. So you do get three greens unaware of the fact that actually you've got quite a severe fracture on part of the um, supporting mechanism of the uh, undercarriage leg. Uh, So you're never absolutely certain. So it's an... Interesting okay. lesson to us all. Uh, well, it, yeah. you know, anyway, I'm I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> well, I don't think, at the moment, I only fly fixed gear. Uh, yeah. gear so a lot yeah. of these indicating yeah. systems re- rely yeah. on um, on proximity sensors. I'm sure Nick's gonna be able to expand a bit on this a bit more. But yeah, it's just it's just it's just that. I mean, it's it's green because the conditions for the light to turn green are there. Doesn't necessarily mean that structurally the gear is sound. And so that's why, you know, all these, all these um, structural inspections at specified intervals are so important because, Hey, we see green, Hey, three greens, we're good to go until, 
Yeah, and that's normal operations, not. right? You know, every yep, time we come in for a landing, Absolutely. we see the three green and go, we're good. You know, we're good not expecting the, one of the gear to collapse. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, uh, Jay, who is celebrating his 15th wedding anniversary, congratulations, wife, Jay and Aaron. Uh, and, <laughs> yes, Aaron. Thank you. Uh, those uh, Shut up, Steph. Uh, those, uh, Jay says those landing gear handles look a lot like the handles on those Las Vegas slot machines. They do. So that might have been a factor. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. 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 Luger has a good point here, too. Luger they says. sue those green lights. They should sue the green lights. <laughs> False <Those> advertising. Lights. <laughs> That's so American. Exactly. Be the American thing to do. see a lawsuit coming there. Yeah. So the guy, the guy, the guy uh, pulled the lever, and, and the and the slot machine came out seven three seven, and then, uh, and then, yep. and then that's what <laughs> oh my, okay. oh my, okay, I think we should move on. <laughs> Not really much good we can do with this one. I mm-hmm. still am scratching my head about the retrimming, you know, with the with the landing gear handle thing. But okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. The next one uh, involves a whiz. Speaking of, I'll be right back. Um, no, um, <laughs> let's see a whiz air UK Airbus a 321 200 November registration golf whiskey uniform kilo Oscar <sighs> performing flight 4002 from London Luton, uh, in England to Belgrade, Serbia was on final approach to Belgrade's runway three zero at 1136 local time when the pitch attitude and Vertical speed changed significantly below 100 feet AGL, resulting in a hard touchdown. The aircraft bounced. The crew performed a balked landing and climb out for a go-around. The proper thing to do. Uh, The aircraft positioned for another approach to runway 30, landed without further incident about 20 minutes later. And uh, see a pilot on the ground observing the landing told the Aviation Herald that the approach looked normal until about 100 to 150 feet above the ground. Then the aircraft increased its pitch angle. Crossing over the runway threshold, the aircraft rapidly pitched down in, into a nose-down attitude. The sink rate increased to about 1,100 feet per minute, according to the ADSB readout. At about 20 feet, AGL, a rapid and strong pitch-up occurred. The aircraft touched down violently and lifted off again with a possible tail strike. The pilot believes that there was an actual tail strike, but isn't entirely sure about it due to his position when observing the touchdown. The aircraft, I guess that was the witness pilot. The witness pilot, not the the pilot flying. The The aircraft rejected landing and went around. The aircraft landed a couple minutes later. ADS-B transmitted by the aircraft transponder suggests the aircraft was descending. Is this the same thing again? Uh, At 150 feet, about (laughs) 750 feet per minute. 122 knots over the ground. The vertical speed reduced to about 500 feet per minute at 50. Okay, we're getting better. Average between 150 and 50 feet above ground level readings. The aircraft touched down about 122 knots over the ground at about 1,000 feet per minute sink rate. For, so, yeah, that's not uh, going to work out as a smooth if line. My math, if my math is serving me right, at 122 knots over the ground, your rate of descent should be about 600 feet a minute, not 750. So it's a little high to begin with. Is, uh, remember, your your rate of de- your rate of descent to maintain the three degree glide is based on your ground speed, not your airspeed. So what you do, at least what I do for a quick mental math, and this comes in really handy because of a new procedure we have going on because of this whole this whole five G thing and so certain airports where we can't use the ILS um, coupled approach. You take the first two numbers of your ground speed, you half that and add two zeros. So in this case, one hundred twenty two. Call it 120, half of 12 is six, and add two zeros to that, 600 feet a minute. So, um, 
yeah, so it's it's a good idea. It, the other way to do it is take your ground speed, multiply it times five, but ain't nobody got time for that. So um, <laughs> just uh, yeah. well, and the other thing is that you know, it's at six hundred feet per minute. At some point, you're going to want to flare and not hold the six hundred exactly. feet per well, minute. No, exactly right. Exactly right. And also remember that these Airbuses, once you get to, uh, and Nick's going to be able to, uh, I'm sure, correct me if I'm wrong on this one. Uh, once you get below 50 feet radio altitude, you go to direct law. You're, you're no longer in normal law. You go to direct law. So the input into the side stick, whoever's flying, is what is the deflection, the angular deflection of the elevator you're going to get to give you that that uh, that uh, flare. So, um, but yeah, I mean, of course you want to, you're going to want to flare. And, and, and a normal touchdown Eh, but uh, what under under 300 feet a minute uh but uh yes you know, definitely if, under if, 300 feet per minute if if you're jeff zero feet a minute so um <laughs> yeah it's like 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 uh, half like an inch per minute yeah <laughs> <laughs> you guys are you guys are you guys are pimping me aren't you i'm just trying to make work out at half at half an inch a minute at half an inch a minute, how long does it take to get to six inches? That's my question. I don't know. Well, that's, that's half something a, we're going to have to ask somebody. You end up at the very, uh, yeah. <laughs> ask, ask that guy flying that ATR a couple that's of what uh, I was games say. again. Yeah. You end up yeah, with, you know, 1,400 feet of runway or remaining. Yeah. I I, so. I um I, I think I was over I was talking over you uh, Nick when I mentioned that we did reach out to Captain Al to ask him why he he did this. Uh, this maneuver here, but um, <laughs> yes. there was no response, yeah. no no comment. No, no, no. Uh, he, he said that his lawyers advised him not to say anything. <laughs> Captain Nick, what do you uh, suppose happened here? Uh, you know, p- people do strange things when they're you know sometimes distracted or they're just uh, inexperienced. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm not suggesting this is the cause, but he uh, the the pilot flying might well have led his attention uh, come from the far end of the runway which is trying where we try and direct our eyes during the the last hundred feet 50 feet and definitely in the flare so that you get a whole view of the perspective of the runway if you let your attention be drawn down under the nose to the, the landing point too long you kind of lose that and um, you you also you know, tendency to drive the aircraft towards that point. So, um, I, I, it might just be a, a poor technique. Uh, it might have been something that uh, you know, a water bottle <laughs> hit, hit the control stick. I yes. don't know. Dropped a water bottle. The camera got stuck Whoops. in it. You know, you never know quite what what the the mm. cause is. But or it might just be uh, you know an, an experienced pilot with you know with still feeling his way um so mm-hmm. yeah I'm i mean you, it's, it's that, not horrendous is it i mean the aircraft shouldn't have been damaged unless he did bang the tail but uh mm-hmm. it doesn't really clearly yeah, my, say my, that it my hat my hat comes off to to you know line check airmen and check pilots and people that are uh on uh on, on new pilots and ioe but i mean it's it's it, i mean someone's got to do it because we all we were all there at one point, and someone someone has to hold our hands through the first uh, yeah. couple of flights in our in our in our career. Um, and absolutely, that's nothing wrong with that. But I uh, or maybe that's what was what happened here. Maybe he was holding somebody else's hand. <laughs> and, uh, uh, distracted. I can hold Literally. this. I hold this side stick here, or can I hold your hand? <laughs> I'm scared. Can, I, I'm can scared. I hold your hand while I hold the side stick over here? <laughs> I see. Yeah, I no. see a show title coming, but uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, 
I mean, the weather uh, didn't look too bad, does it? It's uh, 347 knots, a little bit of variety there, 280, varying to 040. So the wind's swinging a little bit, but it doesn't look, it it looks reasonably benign. But yeah, and another thing, remember about landing these big airliners, whether it's an Airbus 320 or, or in my experience, a 747, uh, as as Captain Nick said, obviously a lot of the landing is a, well, most of the landing really is a visual maneuver, but, um, on plane on, on aircraft like the 747, it's a little harder to, to gauge how high off the ground you are. And so you have to, um, uh, I guess, rely on other, uh, aspects, um, uh, other cues. One of them, a very, very important cue is the cadence at which the radial altimeter is calling out the last couple of feet, um, starting at 50, which is usually when you, when you, when you begin the flare maneuver there. So you're looking for a certain cadence, a certain rhythm, um, to let you know, uh, that you are indeed coming down at the correct, um, um, a descent rate for a, for a proper touchdown there. I mean, you, you want, you want things to happen at a certain rhythm. And so you, you use that as well. Yeah. We call it the rhythm method. <laughs> yeah, Van Ram has a good comment. Is that a side stick or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs> Both. Um, you know, I, th- I think that uh, maybe the problem is, the radio altimeter um, callouts, you know, the ground proximity warning system callouts during the last 50 feet just went too fast and uh, <laughs> yes. resulted in a very yeah. hard landing. <laughs> so I would write that up. Crunch. Yeah, I know. Radio altimeter does not call out altitude <laughs> properly. Right. Or it's probably 5G, maybe. That's what I would blame it on. Oh, yeah. I tell well, you. Yes, that's a good oh, point. Oh, man, this, this, whole, this whole 5G thing, is it's its something else, man. I, I tell you, I mean, a lot of, uh, depending on the, uh, I don't know how it's been with you, Jeff, but uh, our uh, our 7.6s have a variety of different types of radial altimeters um, installed. And so as part of, and this is really, it's an interesting um, aspect of it. As a uh, one of the most important things that we now have to one more thing to tack on to the uh, ever lengthening pre-departure brief and uh, paperwork, you know, stuff is a a sheet of paper, one for your origin, one for your destination, and one for whatever alternate you have. And if you have ETOPS alternates, those go those go in there as well. And uh, basically, what you're looking for there is to see whether or not. Um, 5G is going to affect your flight. Um, uh, 5G, any 5G interference is going to affect your 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 particular uh, the radial altimeter that you have installed in your aircraft. And if it does, you can basically you're you're not allowed to fly uh, ILS approaches in IMC, and you cannot fly uh, autopilot coupled ILS approaches. So you have to uh, um, get very, very creative and to, and you know, as to how to, uh, um, you know, um, fly an, an instrument approach procedure. Um, a lot of people do it. Uh, they track the localizer, but they use the, a, a computer generated, a uh, three degree glide or a VNAF path, uh, descent. A lot of other people follow the glide slope using the vertical speed, uh, mode of the autopilot, which is what I do, which is why I, you know, I've, I, I use that, um, little formula there to figure out what my my three degree glide is based on my ground speed um and so it's interesting having to uh come up with different maneuvers different procedures because the other the other way you can do it which the fcom says it which is a flight crew operations manual uh the, the way they the the 
one of the suggested ways of doing this is to switch off the autopilot, switch off the auto throttle, switch off the flight director, and just basically fly raw needles down, <laughs> which, yeah, we can all do. And, you know, that's why we do. That's why we're pilots. And we, 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 we're all, you know, proficient in doing that. But I tell you, at the end of a very long five, six, seven hour flight, the last thing you want to do is fly raw needles with no autopilot, no auto throttle, no flight director going down in, uh, in, in IMC. So, um, speak for yourself. Yeah, well, yeah, I know. I'm not, I'm not a uh, Jeff's, I'm, Jeff's I'm not, a legend. He's just there. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. My he does own every mind. every approach in IMC. Just turn on the flight director. Yeah. How to turn that yeah, stuff with, on? With his, <laughs> that's a, actually that's with, true. With his, with his I don't know how. That I don't know works. how to make it work. While chewing glass, so that's that's how Jeff yeah. does it. Um, <laughs> but us, uh, us less pilots not so much um <laughs> i'm just kidding yeah i, I agree so with humble. everything that you said rick and even Thank the stuff sure. that i heard you say <laughs> I, I think i i lost internet for a minute i think you, <laughs> and, you did we noticed it came back and you were still talking <laughs> what, there you go well, anyway it could have been like 30 um, seconds or like 30 minutes jeff has no idea i don't know uh, I have these little strokes all the time. I don't know really how long I've been gone. So, very good. Good uh, good commentary regarding that. Um, Nick, I think that you would uh, be the perfect person to kind of address this next one in our news notebook. Nick Anderson, Captain Nick. Nick Anderson. Um, because uh, you're the one that uh, kind of... Uh, Put it in our notebook. Oh, so, I just uh, suggested uh, to Liz that uh, we. It was an interesting thing because of the appalling situation that's occurring in Ukraine. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a reminder that eight years ago uh, there was a missile strike that uh, killed two hundred and ninety-eight people flying over Ukraine, and this was during the initial uh, attacks that Russia made on Ukraine when they annexed the Crimea, uh, and. Um, uh, now the um, the affected passengers, because there were a lot of Australians and a lot of Dutch passengers on board the uh, Malay Triple Seven uh, flight MH17, uh, that was taken out by a uh, Russia-made missile uh, launched from the ground, um, and um, now with the war, current war in Ukraine. Um, they have seen it as an appropriate time to um, perhaps uh, remind people of uh, what happened to their loved ones. Uh, This was all from an article that I uh, saw in The Times. And um, what they've done is the Australia, uh, Australia and the Netherlands have cited Moscow's invasion of Ukraine in a new legal action seeking millions of dollars in reparations for the attack in the east of Ukraine in 2014. Um, and Canberra has launched formal proceedings in uh, ICAO in an effort to force negotiation on compensation uh, to the families. Uh, and it's a sharp and sudden escalation that confronts the Russian state rather than individuals. Uh, they killed, uh, The crash killed 38 Australians. Uh, and they think, uh, well, they, they know that the uh, aircraft that was flying from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur was hit by a book anti-aircraft missile and brought down. Um, I mean, uh, we, we now know that R- Russia wants to take over the Ukraine, and they've always said that 
those people uh, who um, were attacking the eastern side of Ukraine uh, weren't weren't proper R Russian army, but of course we, we all know now that um, they were even no. I'm trying to just leaf through to find the um, military unit that actually they tracked coming A into Russian Federation Fifty Third. No, that was the one that had the missile system. Yeah, it's, here we go. The system it belonged to the yeah the Russian Federation's fifty third anti aircraft military brigade was driven into Ukraine by a trained military crew, and uh, the um, the Australian and Dutch authorities said the missile could only have been fired by the trained crew, um, or at least by someone acting on their instructions because of the complexity of the system. And it's just a, a reminder that. Um, Russia's actions in the Ukraine aren't just what's happening right now, but uh, stretch all the way back to 2014. So uh, an, an appropriate time to perhaps uh, for the Australian and uh, Dutch people to um, make their point that people are forgetting about this appalling incident uh, when uh, one of our you know, fellow civil airline crew and all their passengers were brought down uh, by an incredibly irresponsible act. Yeah. Um, I think you know, we had a lot of uh, news articles in our news segment, and I think that we're going to probably have a lot to talk about in the Getting to Know Us segment and also our feedback. So we're going to make the command decision to jump into the old getting to know you segment right now. Here we go. Or getting to know us, actually. And uh, just in your mind, kind of sing along and use whatever lyrics you think would be most appropriate. appropriate. Perhaps Steph can sing for us. Not maybe. a chance. No? Okay. <laughs> getting to know us. That's the, the, the segment where we kind of... Get all caught up with what everybody's been doing. And we have a lot of catching up to do, I think. And uh, so let's see. Uh, somebody want to raise their hand who wants to go first? And we can hear all the fascinating details. Miami Rick. And I'll do it. I saw a hand waving there. Yeah. How you been? Well, um, I've been doing good. I've been, uh, been a little while, obviously, since I've been on with all you fine ladies and gentlemen. Happy to be back, as always, uh, talking a little airplanes with you all. But... Um, on the home front, things are good. I've been flying a lot. I've been doing a lot of uh, my little uh, out and back Hawaii turns here and there. Um, working a lot with um, our little Belgian Malinois. Uh, she is finishing up her uh, the first stage of her um, uh, agility uh, classes. In fact, her last class is tonight. And then now she's going to uh, the second part of that. Uh, she's quite the little competition dog, this one. Very, very smart. So um, having a lot of fun with that, uh, we took on a lot, uh, another foster, another uh, German shepherd from the rescue. Um, sweet little boy. He had um, a little one of uh, his, his front right paw was, was very, very badly cut and he was in a lot of pain. So we took him in and we, we patched him up and fixed him up and he's, he's doing a lot better. He's getting along really well with, with our other uh, three dogs here. So working a lot with the dogs, working a lot in the rescue. And um, and flying quite a bit. Uh, looking forward to perhaps going back and flying internationally here 
in the next uh, couple of weeks. I think it's uh, it's 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 about that time. Um, it's been a long time since I've left the country. Uh, all of 2021, I flew nothing but domestic, and so now that this whole COVID situation is starting to wane a little bit, um, uh, things are starting to be a bit more. The places are opening up, and um, uh, I'm I'm able to uh, enjoy uh, the layovers in different places a bit more. So I'm I'm looking at perhaps doing some of that uh, this this coming uh, bidding period. And uh, next uh, week, I'm looking forward to my uh, yearly. Uh, check right going for my yearly um, simulator check right uh, it's a it's a four day deal where the first two days are um, CRM and systems and all that stuff and then day three is uh, it's a proficiency check um, warm up uh, and then day four is the proficiency check itself um, and get to uh, get to do some fun stuff that we uh, hope we never get to do in real in real life so that's that's gonna be interesting. Uh, on the other on the other uh, side of that, uh, looking forward to going to Charlottesville, uh, ver- uh, visiting my parents. It's been a little while since I've seen them, so uh, we have uh, a new member of the family. My brother had his little baby girl not too long ago, so I'm going to go up and uh, meet her. Yeah, so that's going to be good. And uh, yeah, so uh, you know, just trying to balance the flying aspect of life with what's really important in life, which is you know. Your, your family, what makes you happy. Um, and so uh, that's, that's what I've been up to. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Rick. As I said, yes, we missed you on the show and, um, but you know, we understand you have a life to live, <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, and speaking of life, life to live, Steph, you've been living mm. life, huh? living large. Have I? <laughs> I've, what? I've been busy. I don't know if it's living large. <laughs> okay, well, let's, let's just go with it. I was, trying to, I was actually looking back through my calendar while Rick was speaking, trying to remember the last time I was on an episode. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, was it just after we were all in the UK for the PTUK 400? Because you guys did was... one while you were there, and I was unable to be there for that one because I had to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there was one the following weekend, and I don't remember if I – joined you all or not i'm not liz I, seems to think it was before london that uh the last one uh, yeah you i think it was too. sure okay sorry so it's been a while yeah uh-huh. <laughs> it's been a minute um but then there were a couple of weekends where or a couple of weeks where it was going to work out for everyone to just do the show on a weekend and um it's just worked out where um I've, I've been the only available pilot to fly jumpers on the weekends. Um, usually that's not the case. There's usually more than one of us available, but um, kind of an odd uh, time of year where aircraft get loaned out to other places or are in maintenance for long periods of time, getting things done before the season really starts up. Um, so a couple of nearby drop zones have needed assistance with aircraft and pilots, which has meant that we've been loaning either one of our planes or a pilot to various places for, for those uh for, to help them out or for various events. Um, so yeah, I was on the hook for, for flying all weekend. So I couldn't commit to being with you all. I'm sorry about that. Um, which was a little frustrating because it's been March, um, as y'all know, still in March and here in this part of the country, this part of the world, it tends to be very windy. So it's been a frustrating couple of weekends of sitting around to see if the wind will cooperate or not. And more often than not, it has not. Um, but we, 
did a, a fair amount of flying this past weekend. Um, just on Sunday, Saturday was it was quite windy. Um, I think they had wind gusts of over fifty miles an hour at the uh, at the airport where I fly jumpers. So that didn't work. Um, we all we all went out there anyway on Saturday morning because it was a little overcast to start, and it was supposed to be calm until a certain point. And I was like, I just don't think the the low overcast is going to clear before the winds get here. I think the reason it's going to break up is because it's going to get windy and mm. that's exactly what happened so yeah i imagine it'd be a problem cold. when you when you drop uh, jumpers and you have to go pick them up in south florida right so well uh, yeah exactly <laughs> it's really windy. so we're looking yeah. at these winds coming out of the uh of the southwest and at three thousand feet they're already doing 50 knots i'm like well you could let them out like four miles away and they might get here or, or overshoot it still i'm not sure um so that didn't work out it worked out in other ways because i had a friend in town from med school um down in the greenville spartanburg area for the weekend. So I had a chance to kind of get a little, get away for, for a little bit for the afternoon and, and visit with them. It was a nice, nice day. Otherwise it was sunny. It was just very, very, very windy and breezy. I had to protect my, my beverage so it would not uh, fall over while we were enjoying some time outside together. Um, and Sunday did, uh, it was calmer, um, certainly calm in the morning. Um, I was able to get my, um, annual flight review done as well. So that was good. Um, uh-huh. yeah. So our, our chief pilot is instructor still. So he was able to come and do some work with me. We had a slow start to the morning. So we had some time to, to do some air work and ground school and get that knocked out. Um, so did that. And then he was like, see you later, have a nice Sunday. And he left and left me to, to fly. We did, I think eight loads in a row at one point. Um, and the winds kind of steadily increased throughout the day, which was, was forecast, but wasn't anything crazy until the very, very, very last load of the day. Um, well, what ended up being the last load, it was still pretty early in the afternoon. Um, but from the time we took off to the time we were letting jumpers out, the winds picked up substantially. It had been very, very bumpy and turbulent all day. So I was kind of getting beat up a little bit myself, but it wasn't so bad for the jumpers. Um, but the last load, they picked up enough that even though we had adjusted the spot where they get out, so we kind of we're joking a little bit before about if the winds are really strong, you know, at altitude, you have to account for that where people leave the airplane. So they make it back to the appropriate landing point. We knew they'd picked up, we moved the spot. We still had a, a couple of jumpers land off the, uh, off the drop zone, which is not a huge deal. We have a lot of cow fields around, so, um, everyone knows where the outs are. So, <clears throat> um, but yeah, it was, it was very turbulent and they were starting to feel the turbulence more under canopy. And we just decided that wasn't, uh, that wasn't very favorable, so that was the end of the day for jumping on Sunday as well. But I got a workout. Um, my arm has been is my left arm's a little sore from dealing with that turbulence up and down all day long. Nice, wear it like uh, a know, badge of honor. Yeah, you know it's it's exciting when uh, you know aircraft that are checking out on the arrival to Charlotte are being told it's moderate turbulence. I'm like, he's telling this to jets. I'm feeling this, definitely feeling this. Mm-hmm. Not in a jet, much smaller aircraft here. Um, and the weekend before that was kind of a similar story. Flew a couple of, of loads of jumpers and then the winds kind of uh, picked up a bit too much. So constantly evolving. But it's that time of year. Um, windy in March, <laughs> kind of rainy in April. Nice beginning in May. And then thunderstorm season. So, Yay. 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 Every season brings, brings different weather challenges. But. Hmm. So what you're saying is that if you hadn't gone to try to fly on Sunday, you could have joined Nick and I and Liz for the show. No, Sunday we did fly. Mm-hmm. Oh, you did. Oh. I flew. I flew four hours. Well, then you Sunday. stopped at some point, though. I thought we stopped at four okay. o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> four thirty. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Then I guess maybe not. Sorry, but I think the weekend right. before that, I said I was sitting around. We were trying to see if the weather would cooperate, and you guys were doing the show, and 
I probably could have been there for it, but I was committed yeah. to being there. So I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, we remember all this. Just, just saying. <laughs> Fair so, enough. Yeah. Taking notes. Um, yeah. Well, we're so happy that uh, you were able to join us today. And how's the weather there right now? Is it uh, still sunny or is uh, it uh, storming? The sun yet? was out for a bit. I mean, you can kind of tell by this this window behind me. This is the best mm-hmm. curtain I have for it. So if it's very bright, it's sunny. Um, it's mm-hmm. less sunny at the moment. It looks overcast again. Um, mm-hmm. I don't see any, it, it, you know, there's no houses or cows flying by or anything. So <laughs> that's good. <laughs> out of the severe weather for the moment, but it's definitely been a lot of severe weather in the uh, southern part of the U.S. Um, yes, there Texas has. and New Orleans and those places. So, so are you yeah, wearing your safe. ruby slippers? Um, I've got uh, sparkly pink socks on. Is that close enough? That counts. That's pretty close. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Just start so. clicking your heels together. There's no place like home. No place like home. <laughs> no place like home. Yeah. All right. Very good. Well, good to have you back, Steph. Good to be here. Um, Glad to see you guys. Captain Nick, Captain Nick, calling Captain Nick in England. Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir, um, I'm still here. Have you uh, uh, been busy? Uh, Morse code. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you been doing uh, anything at all, or just been sitting around watching TV or uh, YouTube? Oh, uh, you know, we, us retired folk, we, we nothing very ex- exciting uh, uh, ever happens. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, I, one thing that does happen is you get on a bit, your joints. We're out, and uh, my darling wife has uh, been into a hospital uh, for a replacement knee, which um, has kind of uh, mean that uh, I've had very little spare time because uh, she's not getting around very well yet. It was only a few days after the operation and uh, getting home from hospital. So, um, and there's a surprising amount to do. So, uh, I'm going to apologize right now and just say that the um, aforementioned by uh, Radio Roger, a plane tail will occur one day, but certainly not today. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I haven't been able to uh, spare the time to uh, do a plane tail, but uh, I will get one in the uh, can, as it were, before too long, I hope. Um, the one thing I was able to do, which uh, um, you can perhaps uh, see from the picture behind me, is that um, I. Um, was contacted by one of our listeners from Jordan and uh, he's listener uh, Basim Agad and uh, a lovely chap, uh, an uh, ex-telecom engineer, uh, very well qualified in that field and uh, making a fine uh, living for himself, decided that he was going to uh, change careers, um, you know, reasonably well late on in life as a few of our, our listeners have, and it's it's always a, a slight concern when you're giving up a really good career and uh, following your dreams to become an airline pilot. He has um, paid for all his own training, uh, part of which uh, included jet upset training. And he decided to do that in the UK. So he flew over from Jordan uh, and let me know. And I said, well, that's great. Um, perhaps we could meet up at the airfield where you are going to do your training. So uh, I drove up to uh, Falmere Aerodrome, which is uh, up near Cambridge, a couple of hours drive uh, north of me, uh, and uh, met Basim there. And we had a good old chat about his career and uh, what he was up to. Uh, and I've done a, a 
three interviews, three short interviews there, both with um, uh, Basim and uh, Adrian Willis, the chief instructor of the uh, British Aerobatic Academy, um, and also uh, Basim's uh, instructor, a, um, a rather sh shy, um, lovely, but a little shy Polish uh, MiG-29 pilot who uh, has now come out of the military and uh, is one of the aerobatic instructors there. And it was a, a lovely afternoon. Uh, the weather here in the UK has been gorgeous, so it was a, s a sweet drive up in the in the sports car with the roof down uh, and then um, parked up amongst all these gorgeous uh, aerobatic aircraft uh, and uh, chatted to these fine people and got a feeling for what modern jet upset training is like, uh, and that's going to form the basis of a couple of plane tales I think we can probably do um, and find out, um, you know, how it feels, what what goes on and why we feel or why um, the world, the aviation world, feels it necessary for airline pilots to experience this. Um, so it, it was an excellent day. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and um, then uh, drove my way home with a lovely tin of uh, those gorgeous um, sweetmeats that uh, you get in the Middle East, uh, you know, uh, pistachio, crushed pistachio pastry, mm. all soaked in honey. Um, they're often known as uh, baklava in mm. Turkish, but... Um, from in Jordan, they're called uh, baklava. Um, I'm, I, Basim's going to uh, cringe at my pronunciation, but um, they we were all are too. <laughs> exactly. They were a gorgeous tin, a, a selection of these amazing sweets, including um, uh, uh, Burma and uh, Bukaj and pistachio rolls. Uh, uh, they were. I mean, mm. I haven't finished. I, I've been spreading them out amongst my um, neighbours because being diabetic, these aren't the ideal <laughs> fodder. No, <laughs> but they are—they are absolutely gorgeous. Uh, for those who have never tasted them, you need to go try find them. It's one of the delights of the Middle East, is uh, that sort of thing. So um, that really was a lovely day, and I've got all the basis there for um, a couple of plain tales. Plus the one I was going to do today uh, about American One which uh, is on the back burner, but it will happen uh, eventually. And okay. other than that, uh, I'm being nursey to the wife. Uh, I did a whole bunch of uh, um, washing today, so I learned how to use the, um, the washing machine and the dryer, and tomorrow I think I'm going to have to learn how to use the iron. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, you know can, where to find I can me. teach you. <laughs> you know where to find me. He's got a whole school. <laughs> I think yeah. of, uh, that's, that's true. I, we'll, I, we'll I've we'll seen start, your we'll instruction video. We'll start, with, uh, it. We'll start with a cold one so you can get the motion, right? <laughs> yeah. And then uh, depending on how you do, uh, we'll, we'll step it up. <laughs> well, I've a good mind to uh, film myself doing it so that we can have competing. Uh, <laughs> ah, uh, there, there we go. <laughs> Look at that hair. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's yes, nice. I know. I, I'm, I'm going to have You weren't concerned with the hair combed. at that point. You were only concerned about the quality of the ironing happening. It Clearly. Was very, uh... yeah. Clearly. By the exactly. way, uh, there's something wrong with that uh, microphone. You, uh, we never hear you. Uh, yeah. You're talking to us when you're ironing, but we, ne we can never hear what you're saying. Yeah, there you so go. So we just make things up. <laughs> yeah, we do. It's fun. Yes. <laughs> 
I've, 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 seen, I've seen the app. Hey, Nick. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Rick. Go ahead. No, no, no. As you can say, go, go ahead, Nick. Oh, okay. I was going to say to uh, Nick, um, we love, we really love seeing your face. We do, but could you move out of the way and so we can look at that beautiful <laughs> airplane? Ah, there we go. Uh, that's that nice. So that's one of the ones I use for the upset training. Uh, actually, uh, no, they were using a grub as it turned out, oh, which okay. is side by side. That's a, uh, ah, an extra, okay. well, I uh, thought, extra yeah. 300, I think. Or oh, they have more than one. They have extras. Oh, the, this is, um, one of the biggest, uh, aerobatic schools uh, in the world as it turns <laughs> Thank out. Thank you. Oh, you saying you're making fun of me. I, I really am trying. No, I was just trying to make a little joke, a play on words, but yes, it just, uh, like most of my play. jokes, they don't. But it actually turns out they're a, a, a large, uh, they're a, a big school, uh, mm. and um, they do a lot of excellent training. So it was, it's, it was an interesting place to visit. Nice. I look forward mm. to the plain tales you're going to do regarding yeah. some of that stuff. In a few weeks, I expect. <laughs> okay. Well, whenever. That's all right. Once, once Limpy Lou gets going properly, we'll be fine. I'm sure she loves you calling her that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> really appreciate that. Well, Good she'll she never find this. out, will she? <laughs> I know. <laughs> she doesn't listen or watch this, nope. and why would she, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Rick, Rick, Rick Bell says Yeah, the Rick, Rick Bell. Oh, yeah. Rick Bell's wondering if that picture behind you, uh, Nick, is the uh, 737 MAX 8. I think it is, actually. It's the uh, Boeing yeah, McDonough bus. Yeah, the, the single-engine version. Every plane is. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's see. Nick Macho Camacho. <laughs> Hope you don't mind us uh, using that uh, coined uh-huh. uh, name for you. Hey, um, what have you been up to? Uh, so I, uh, I missed the last show. I was traveling down to, uh, Austin. I have a sister that lives in Austin. Mm-hmm. She also had a, has a, uh, a new arrival here in the last month or so, a little daughter. So, uh, me and my wife and boys went down there to meet, uh, our new niece. And, um, I, I really like Austin. They have great food. They have great mm-hmm. stuff going on. And, um, but I was just kind of preoccupied when we were planning this trip and about three or four days before we left, somebody said, somebody sent me a message saying something about South by Southwest. And I was just like, Oh, mm-hmm. that's right. That's oh, why that I was going go on Austin during spring. Oh break. yeah. That's not a good time to go to Austin. No. Was it busy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, my sister lives in a suburb to the North of Austin and we only ventured into the city one day and we were like, all right, that's good enough. Um, yeah, we had a great time down there, uh, spending a lot of time with them. Uh, and then the day that we drove down there, actually, I, uh, got my air, my airplane had been done and I got to fly it that morning before we left, uh, had a handful of squawks that came out of that, that flight, but, uh, everything ended up well. Uh, yeah. And so I sent Jeff some pictures. This is actually what it looked like before I started. This is the older panel. And then, uh, as you can see, st- stuff starts coming out. This is this is there's still like some excitement in this phase of the project because I'm like, oh man, look at all this old stuff that's coming out. And then if you mm-hmm. go on to the next don't, one, then don't I show then the, those wires and cables. Then the excitement, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, no. yeah. <laughs> About uh, now, he, the excitement is turning into like trepidation. Uh, since I had everything out of the airplane, I stripped all the metal interior pieces. 
in hindsight, that's something I probably wouldn't have done because I added a couple of months to the project because I did all that mm. by hand. Um, but it ended up looking nice. Um, and mm-hmm. then also had some, you know, other things to do. The landing gear, the nose gear had to be resealed. We ended up taking it out and replacing all of the hardware uh, associated with the landing gear and got it rebuilt. Um, there's my new panel that we machined and Ooh, painted nice. and um, labeled. And then uh, here's a uh, made a new headliner for the airplane. So the top picture is the old uh, old airplane with you can see the like the whitish tannish looks like dirty white paint and the old mm-hmm. headliner. And then the second picture is um, the new scheme, which is kind of a medium gray trim color with the red and black interior. Nice. Uh, and then here I am Ooh, taxiing it with all the new stuff in the panel. Oh, I realize it's pretty. I, re- yeah. I realize this picture makes it look like I am taxiing off the, the edge of the taxiway. Yes. Uh-huh. But I am sitting mm-hmm. in the, in the hammer, in the hammerhead of the, at the end of the runway, so I actually sure. am sitting on <laughs> on concrete, even though it does <laughs> yeah. not look like it. This is one of these pictures that you take the picture where it's with... totally, you know, it's totally fine, and then you look at it later and you go, oh, "Yeah, that looks so great." Yeah. We just assumed there. that was an ATR seventy two. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yep. Yeah. And then here I am on the first flight. So very nice. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Uh, I had a couple of radio mm-hmm. issues, and then uh, we had uh, pulled out and refurbished my throttle cable. And speaking of landing gear issues, we had another landing gear story earlier. Um, I was super worried about the landing gear going up and coming down since I had taken that nose gear out. That was like the most invasive thing I had done to the airplane that I felt like could could cause me trouble. And all the landing gear functioned fine, but... Um, you forgot the, to stall the tire. <laughs> <laughs> I knew yeah. there was something missing. <laughs> the, yeah, the switch, the switch that actually... Uh, so the airplane has a, the landing gear warning system, basically the way it works is there's a position switch on the throttle cable. So if you are under a certain amount of power, a manifold pressure, uh, and the landing gear is not down, then it'll ding. And that switch, we had taken the throttle cable out and that switch had gotten installed, but, um, it has this like metal clamp and we hadn't gotten it tight enough. So it was, it was hard to tell because this metal clamp didn't have a lot of compliance in it, but uh, apparently it was loose enough to just start uh, kind of flittering about there on the the cable. And so it, it like went off real short once or twice. And I was like, what is that? I can't tell if that's the stall horn or the gear horn. Cause I haven't flown the airplane for so long. I don't remember what they sound like. And then uh, fortunately it wasn't until I was like heading back to the airport that it just decided to go on and stay on <laughs> So, uh, I just went ahead my song. <laughs> yep, exactly. So I just went ahead and slowed the airplane down and put the landing gear out and flew the last Stopped. three or four miles with the landing gear down. And this is what it looked like, right? Yep. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I told Jeff, I had a couple pictures that I was going to show and then I started gathering pictures and I was like, Oh man, this is way too many. So I, I think maybe I should do like never, a video never, crew never log many, or something. Actually. Yeah. Yeah, you should. Do a video crew That'd log a great of idea. the whole process because I've probably got, mm-hmm. I don't know, 500 pictures. I wouldn't share all 500, but, you know, wow. there's a lot of uh, a lot of work went on to that. Well, just let us know. We'll get popcorn and beers <laughs> and you know, just do the whole show. <laughs> Nick's slideshow. Yep. So I think I've got uh, all the uh, 
I think I've got all the squawks except for two squared away. Uh, and so now the airplane is fully functional. The radials were kind of iffy when I flew it. So I was sort of flying uh, with a handheld um, as my primary radio. But I have since got all of that squared away. So now the airplane is fully functional. Uh, the number two radio, I still have a transmit issue, but I can hear on it fine. And my number one radio has a nav and a comm and everything. So I can, I can do all of that stuff. Um, and I see pilot GT is, uh, asking, so I'm actually a, uh, I'm not an AMP. I've been working, uh, under a few people, including my dad, who's an AMP IA for, uh, I started pretty actively working with him in probably 2009, and so I've been kind of on this path to get my AMP through experience. And that was the kind of the big push of this last project is as soon as we get it wrapped up, I'll, I should have enough experience both in terms of time and in terms of the number of tasks I've completed to get signed off and go take the test. So that's actually what I've been working on. So I, there was like a couple of weeks of heavy paperwork work with my airplane, getting all the paperwork lined up and all the sign-offs and everything. And once I got done with that and got it ready to go, I've kind of shifted into uh, documentation gathering for my AMP. So I'm hoping to get signed off for that in the next month or two. And then this summer it'll be studying for the AMP test and working on my instrument rating and back to busy, back to being proactive. Yeah. It's just, I, it'll, I think it'll be a little more, not that that wasn't satisfying. That was satisfying, but man, there were a lot of tasks where I could go work on the airplane for six hours one night and walk in the next day and be like, did I do anything yesterday? Or work on it for a week and walk in and be like, doesn't see, doesn't feel like I'm making progress. So, yeah, yeah. very satisfying to have it hmm. done or mostly yeah. done. Yeah. No. yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome work, man. That's that's phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah, you're doing a great job. Yes, yeah. sir. All right. Anything else? Nope. I think that's about it. Nope. I got to All see right. you briefly, but we you chatted about that last time, so that was fun. Yeah, I did. Yeah, we had, we had lunch. Yeah. Oh, What's that? For those who don't know, A&P, Error Frame and Power Plant Mechanic. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's just oh. FAA's nomenclature for mechanic. Yeah. Yep. And what's IA? What does that stand for? Uh, that means you have inspection authorization. So that's like the next level okay. up. So signing off gotcha. annuals for airplanes like ours is really important for like GA because you can sign off annuals. Uh, on big airplanes, I actually don't know, Rick. If it's as important, because mm. a lot of times AMPs can sign off a lot of the phase stuff. But exactly, it's 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 is on on bigger airplanes and you know big you know C D type checks. Everything's compartmentalized, and there is a final there is a final sign off, but it's it's not like in GA. GA the IA is it's it's the guy, the guy that basically yeah. just says like here it is, here's the stamp, it's good to go. So. Yeah, nice. Well, very good. All right. Thank you. Um, I let's see. Was on a or was it a grocery yeah. store? It was a grocery store. It was a grocery store. A and P. Oh, okay. Was does somebody make a cute comment about an A and P? Okay. What is that? Uh, by the way, does anybody know what that A and P stands for? A M P. No, the uh, that's the Great Atlantic Pacific. Yeah. Pacific. Liz, Liz just oh, no. nailed it. What was it? Great Atlantic. Um, and Pacific Tea Company or something like that, I think. Oh. Yeah, Tea Company. Interesting. Yeah, very cool. All right. Well, I um on a on the middle of a uh, th- four day trip, and my first layover was in Tulsa. I mentioned it on the last episode, or maybe the last couple of episodes that we were planning on uh, doing a meetup. One of our 
listeners, Sean, uh, and his wife wanted to uh, take me and my first officer out to dinner on our layover in Tulsa. I invited the first officer, but he uh, he he's really into working out, and he was and he's kind of shy, and he kind of felt like he would be out of place if he went along. And then uh, so I I so I needed a date, and uh, so I called up Larry. I know Larry. Gregory, yeah, uh, Larry Gregory is. Uh, <laughs> and you guys make such a cute couple. Thank oh, you. So yeah, nice. I think so too. They dress alike, even. So nice. Yeah, we 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 we, uh, we called each other and said, "Hey, what are you going to wear?" And I said, "Is I going to wear a blue shirt?" And I said, "Okay, <laughs> I, I'll I'll too." Um, anyway, so we uh, we met up at this. Uh, well, I did a, an audio recording, so let me just play that instead of <gasps> saying it all. Did? And uh, so here we go. I'm going to play the audio and I'll do the uh, slides. Uh, oh, that's okay. I don't yeah. think you can anyway. <laughs> so never mind. No, uh, that's fine. All right, here we go. Hello, APG community. I'm here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was contacted by Sean King when he found that or learned that I was going to be in Tulsa this month. It's been a while since we've been here or I've been here. And uh, he said, let's get together, and I'd like, my wife and I would like to treat you to dinner. And he did. And this place we're at is just amazing. It's called Mahogany Steakhouse. And everything that I've tasted, put in my mouth tonight, has been just amazing. Uh, but of course, as I always say, other than this amazing food and drink that we've been experiencing here tonight, the conversation and the camaraderie is just priceless. And so I thought I would do a little bit of a recording here. Oh, by the way, uh, another prominent Tulsa resident, Larry Gregory, or he likes to call himself Geezer, is also here with us. Uh, unfortunately, Josh was out of town. He couldn't make it. But there are probably others of you out there that live in the Tulsa area that uh, have missed out on the opportunity to get together with some APG folks. But uh, I just wanted to make a quick recording here to kind of commemorate this wonderful time that we've had here today. Let me start with um, Gregory. Larry, I mean. <laughs> Larry Gregory. He's going to say something very pithy, witty, clever, probably sarcastic. And I'm, I'm trying to build this up as much as possible so that it's just going to be a huge dud when he starts talking. Here you go, Larry. Hi, guys. Larry here, the geezer. Okay, this year I do turn 80. And I was telling Jeff, for the record, I just completed my BFR, my biennial flight review. So I'm still flying. And uh, But that doesn't compare with the dinner we've had tonight, thanks to, thanks to Sean. This is a wonderful place. Uh, I know Jeff had wanted to go to McDonald's, but, but th this one sounded a little bit better to him. So now I've, I've got quite a long thing to discuss, and I'm sure Jeff will fix it up in post. So let me start by saying, and anyway, that's how it went. So thank you guys. I, I really appreciate it, Sean. It's been a wonderful time. Uh, back to you, Jeff. I love the self-editing. That's amazing. You've saved me so much effort in cutting out all that stuff that you were going to tell us about family show yeah so yeah larry does have a story to tell and he's going to send us in some audio feedback to tell us about it in a in a future piece of feedback i'm sure all right so now the person who made this happen tonight and is treating us all to this amazing 
feast at Mahogany Steakhouse is Sean. And Sean, tell us about you and anything else that you might want to say. <laughs> well, since it's a family show, I'll keep it brief. Um, of course, love having you here in Tulsa, Jeff. Wonderful meeting you. Been wanting to meet you for a long time, and Larry, you as well. It's been an actual honor to meet both of you. It's been a very, very great evening and a, a great meal, and we're just glad that you decided to take me up on my stalking of you, Jeff. But um, anyway, no, we, we've had a great time, great meal, great conversation, and uh, just really happy and proud to be part of the APG community. It's just a phenomenal Phenomenal show, phenomenal group of people, great crew, and just couldn't ask for anything better. So we really appreciate everything you do for us. Thank you. And Karen, would you like to say anything? I just hope it's one of many more. Me too. I, you know, the thing that just strikes me most, with the exception of people like Larry, the quality of the people that are... No, I'm just of course, you know that I'm kidding. The, the quality of the people that listen to the show, who support the show, who just honestly, you know, I know it sounds like a cliche, but this is the best part of doing this whole thing. I don't do it for money. I don't do it for fame. I don't do it. I, I do it because I enjoy engaging with my friends and family out there. And I really consider everybody that listens to the show part of my family. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how important that is to me. And the, the, the caliber of the people that I meet every time I go out in various cities and meet up with people is just, it's just amazing. And uh, so thank you so much, Sean. For, you're not a stalker at all. I mean, you're just a typical ABG community member that uh, wants to engage and uh, share and have fun and great food and conversation. So, hey, if you're listening to this and you see, if you look at the calendar and you see that I'm going to be somewhere where near where you live, please don't hesitate to reach out to me, you know, set up a set up a meetup. It's a lot of fun. It really is. And, you know, I, I think I'm the one that enjoys it the most. So with that, I'm going to send it back to you, Jeff, in the uh, studio. Well, Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> it's kind of noisy in there, Jeff. Why didn't you have your microphone, your dynamic microphone with you to cut down on all that background noise? Hey, the ambiance is what made the clip. I thought it was, uh, thought it was great. Yeah, it's like I was, exactly. it's like I was there. Was, if you cut down <laughs> on it, we wouldn't have known that you were really out at a nice restaurant or yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Captain Nick, that's, uh, that's hilarious. What is that horrible <laughs> stain on the tablecloth? Oh, it's a hat. And the hat of course said Boeing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Nick still has jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to anyway. put it on your head now, would you? <laughs> anyway, it was a great time. Thank you again, Sean, Karen. If you're listening, I'm sure you are. Uh, had an absolutely wonderful time, and thank you for treating. That was uh, an amazing restaurant and uh, definitely a little bit more expensive than McDonald's. So, anyway. Well, you first. Nope. Oh, what'd you say, Liz? Uh oh. Am I cutting in and out? No. Nope. Not right now. Not too bad. Well, for some reason, I'm not hearing Liz. Huh. Okay. Well, Liz is not with me anymore. <laughs> Are you on uh, Clean Feed, Liz? Because I don't hear you. One blink for yes, two blinks for no. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't. I don't hear you at all on clean feed. All right. Oh, her computer just decided to restart itself. <laughs> That's why I'm not hearing her. Okay. Very good. And I do apologize. The, the um, bandwidth here at this hotel is not the best, apparently. So, well, it's a Netflix time right now. So, yeah, that's hmm. that's a good point. Um, and a lot of air crews um, getting up very early in the morning. I'm among them. Uh, Four thirty oh. pickup time. So I would imagine that uh, yeah, everything started a little bit earlier than it normally would. So that's probably why the bandwidth has gone into the in you know down the tubes. Uh, so to speak. But um, anyway, so we'll definitely probably I'm want back. to. Okay. Thanks, Liz. She's back with us. Um, definitely going to want to use recordings if you guys are actually recording your local stuff. Otherwise, I can get it from the uh, from StreamYard as well. So You'll have to okay. find the appropriate start point in like three and a half weeks of... <laughs> no, I know. It's going to be it's going to be so much fun. It really is. <laughs> Anyway, that's all I have. Uh, still on the middle of this, uh, or in the middle of this four-day trip. This is day two. Uh, tomorrow, going to be in um, <sighs> somewhere. Oh, I'm going to be in uh, Newark uh, tomorrow oh. afternoon, and uh -oh. I'm meeting up with uh, Tanya. Very nice. Uh, nice. In Jersey City, she's going nice. to come over on the Path Train, whatever that stands for. And uh, is Tanya? I think Tanya was in the. She was there. Yeah, she was in the Port Authority. Live audience, right? The Port Authority train? I don't know Isn't what that stands for. Is that what that is? Yeah, Port Authority. Yeah, Port Authority. That makes sense. Train. The train. Transit. Uh, train hat. Port Authority. <laughs> Port Authority Trans Hudson. Is the oh, there we go. Yeah. Oh. I like. I like my. I knew it was. I knew it was Port Authority, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. I like. I like yours better too. Right? Yeah. <laughs> hat. <laughs> okay. Um. So anyway, we uh, look forward to uh, meeting up with uh, Tanya uh, tomorrow. And then uh, last day is just one leg home to Atlanta and get home kind of early in the morning, which is nice. Very nice. So that is it. Whew. That was a longer than normal getting to know a segment, but I think it was worth it. But because, uh, you know, a lot of us uh, are, are really excited to hear what everybody's been doing. And, and we're excited that everybody's back together. Okay. I guess now. Oh. We need to talk about uh, the cover art for uh, uh, APG 513. <laughs> I hope that Landon has a good sense of humor because he sent in that great feedback that, uh, that uh, what did we call that, Liz? The uh, stream of consciousness uh, audio <laughs> feedback <laughs> that he uh, sent in. And uh, one of the things he was talking about was, you know, like, uh, you know, if the both pilots eat the fish. And uh, they, you know, they they meet uh, an early end, uh, and and he happens to be on the airplane. He he wanted to be the hero, and so we talked a little bit about uh, that, and uh, so that became the title of our episode, being the hero. And uh, we have well, Landon. Just happened to have this great photo. Yeah, Nick him. Nick had this great photo of Landon, and I don't know what what is that a P forty? Well, I, uh, I I would have called it looks a like Harvard. A, it's a T six, yeah. Uh, a T6, yeah, okay. that's right. A Texan, I think you guys mm -hmm. called it. Oh, or Texan, right? yeah, the old, the original Texan, yeah, yeah. Well, or the we Harvard. With, if you're, uh, yeah, we were with Fred, the international man of mystery, uh, at his uh, local airfield. At his uh, lair. I keep wanting to say. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> he was petting his yeah. cat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
uh, Alto Vista or something else. Palo Alto. Palo Alto. Yeah, that's the place. And uh, we, we crawled all over this uh, and, and took pictures, and it was a beautiful uh, airplane. Uh, it was a great day out, actually. It was good. Uh, and I took these pictures of Landon, which, which I knew they'd come in handy one day. <laughs> you You're right. Yeah, like and just so everybody just knows, Nick has pictures of of all of you. So if you think you're safe, you're not. <laughs> just, uh, there you go. Yeah, that was a good meter. Watch yourself. Yeah. Okay. Did, did you did you spot the land button? Uh, I did actually. Yes. Good. Okay. Oh, and, it has uh, the Airbus kind of philosophy. Um, oh yeah, this is this is, this is Landon uh, landing the airplane. So he's just about to thumb the uh, land. Button. Oh, Landon, Landon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would have been a good go. title. Oh, that oh. would have been. And uh, everyone spot the show number in there? Yeah. Oh, well. I, well I think right somebody told somebody me it's a long Somebody tattled, the yeah. Uh, yeah. Shoot. Before I even saw the picture, so I knew where to look. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Liz. Yeah. Well, anyway, good sport, Landon. Thanks for not throwing is, your toys out the cot. This is like I don't, <laughs> we haven't heard from him, though, ever ever since we used that as our cover art uh Nick. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Did. Or did, no, he oh, oh, did he? Oh. No, he wrote in on Facebook. Yeah, oh, I didn't see it on Facebook. Facebook? I never go there, so I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. Well, I am clueless, that's for sure, Liz. All I can Thank say you. is this good job too. he's not a policeman anymore. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, yeah, well, now we'll uh, move to the coffee fund and i just have to click this right here there we go johnny how much more coffee no thanks i love coffee i love tea i love the apg community coffee and tea and the java and me whoop too high a cup a cup a cup a cup oh yeah that's jeff smith singing the APG Java Jive. It's the part of the show where we're talking about our wonderful people who are part of the Coffee Fund Cadre or the Coffee Bar Club, those who send in their hard-earned money to support our show. And if you want to do that, go to airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee to learn more about it. But before you do, let's talk about the people that have uh, contributed since the last episode and using the Coffee Fund Classic method we have jenny parkinson jenny in rome and chris randall and they both do recurring uh, contributions via paypal the classic method uh, we also have uh, patreon and you can become a patron of our show and uh, since the last episode we have a new producer mike Leibowitz. so thank you mike for joining up on patreon and if you want to learn how you can do the same again please head over to airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did. Steph will be too. And we all will be. (laughs) All right. Coffee, coffee, coffee. And just send your cash. Time for feedback. Captain, incoming message. Carolina Jeff sent this feedback in, and this is the second time that we're covering it because we thought that uh, maybe we would wait for some people that have a little bit more experience with general aviation uh, to answer uh, some of Jeff's 
questions. And uh, so here it is again. Hello, APG crew. I'm a long, long time listener, as in I heard APG one when it first hit the podcast sphere. And I think we mentioned that it was that was May of 20, uh, 2011. That is a long time. Uh, thanks so much for the many years of entertainment and information. What started as a great show is now just absolutely awesome. And that's because of my co-hosts. I have always felt a connection to this podcast and a few of its hosts for a few reasons. First, the town I grew up in has always prided itself as the birthplace of the airline captain Jeff Flies 4. A gold star, if you can guess it. I know, Liz, you know the answer because you were here last week. That's uh, So you're disqualified. Um, so anybody else that's presently on the panel with me, other than Nick, because I think he heard the answer last week as well. Uh, what's he the, where is he from? Um, the birthplace of the airline, Acme. Um, you know, anybody? I'm guessing it's not as obvious as is it. Is this a, is this a test? <laughs> this is a I was going to say, is, is this a test to see who actually listens when we're not on? I believe. <laughs> I did no. not listen. Well, I mean, it could, it <laughs> could be, but I believe it's Monroe, Louisiana. Yeah, it was just a, yeah, ding, ding, ding. Where's my. It's okay. I do know the answer to his next question, though. Talent question. That one I got. Okay. Um, oh, I didn't. Get, we uh, we couldn't get the, one, the answer to that one. Uh, I got one. it. I got okay, it. so all right, here we go. So the, here's the second one. I spent many years living in the Atlanta area. Oh, not, not yet in the Atlanta area, Sandy Springs, Woodstock, and Canton, just a stone's throw away from Captain Jeff and Captain Dana. Over the last 13 years, I've been living in the Carolinas. Uh, that would be and inadvertently in a neighboring town to Doctor Steph. Hint: the town with love in the middle. Another gold star, if you can correctly guess it. I drive through this town three times a week, at least. So it is Clover. Is the name of the town? C L O V E R. Love. Very subtle. Wow. Yep. Very clever. I would never. A C and an R and surrounding love. So, and if I'm wrong on that, I'm I don't have a better answer. So. I'm pretty sure because it, it is be right. it is the neighboring town to well oh good Rick's back he can talk closely neighboring we'll say. Too. okay okay so continuing uh, for the longest time I've been the kid slash adult standing at the airport perimeter with his fingers entwined in the airport fence I'm the aviation nerd who stops and looks up every time a plane goes by making sure to point it out to any family member that's nearby if there is a discussion about airplanes or aviation related topics. I always have something to contribute. Yeah, I am that guy. And you know what? <laughs> Probably oh most God. people listening to the show, yeah. we're, we're, we're all that, that guy. guy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why we're here. That's what put us in this place. <laughs> I know. Sadly. Um, <laughs> all right. Continuing on, one of my dreams has always been to get my private pilot certificate. However, due to cost, it was all always only a dream. It would seem that every time I was in a position where I could afford lessons, well, my wife and I would decide to do something just as expensive, if not more, we would have a baby. Uh, final tally would be three strapping boys. Well, fast forward many years, one has moved out of out on his own. Number two will be moving out in the next month or two, which leaves the youngest who is about to graduate from high school. So I'm finally at a point where I can start to fulfill my dream. As long as nothing really crazy happens, the plan is to start lessons in the fall. 
since I have a good chunk of time before I get started, I thought it would uh, I would ask the group a few questions that would help me to prepare for lessons. The flight school is a Cessna Pilot Center, so the Cessna Private Pilot Kit I will need to buy will include an, um, an enrollment key for the King School's online ground study course, which will allow me to work on the ground school portion and possibly have the written test completed prior to flight lessons. So, number one, what other things can I do in advance to prepare myself for the actual flying lessons? Two, what are some things to look for in a flight school and a CFI? Hoping Dr. Steph would be able to help since I think she might be familiar with the school and CFIs at the airport just south of us, KUZA. And number three, you want me to read them all and then we'll just loop yeah, back and yeah, try to I answer some of these? Okay. A couple of us will be able to chime in on, on several okay. of these things. Uh, number three, I've heard that the cockpit of the airplane is not the best classroom. Uh, if it is not the CFI's normal practice to spend ample time prior to each flight to fully brief on what the plan is for each flight, basically explaining the maneuvers before starting the engine, is this something I can and should insist on? Uh, is there anything that is not in the brochure that I should expect, like extra costs? <laughs> That's always there. Possible roadblocks, etc. Did any of you experience a hurdle or setbacks in your primary flight training that you are willing to share? And if so, how did you overcome the hurdle or setback? Even at 52 years of age, I almost feel like a kid again, knowing that I am finally going to be in an airplane on the other side of the airport fence. I can only hope that the CFI I am matched up with, up with will not mind working with someone like me and will be able to help me hold back my excitement just enough so that I can learn everything correctly and safely. Thank you once again for the fabulous podcast and all the great advice. I know you will be happy to share. Sincerely, Carolina Jeff. All right. Take That's it away, Steph. Great feedback. Um, so he has four kind of distinct questions here. And let's, I guess we can just go through them all. Um, and like, we'll start with number one and we can all add to it. Says the other things he can do in advance to prepare himself for actual flying lessons. So, um, one thing it you could go ahead and get your medical done. Um, that doesn't hurt to have done and out of the way. Um, I'm not the right person to talk about basic med stuff because I can never remember how that actually works, and that's a little bit different pathway. Um, but just go ahead and get that done. Make sure there's no surprises, not anything that's going to show up that might prevent you from from flying, getting your you're private um, and being able to use those privileges once you do have it. Um, I can kind of tell you that uh, I guess my path to doing my private was a little bit different because I really didn't set out to do it. Um, I think I've told the story before that I got into flying through um, a coworker of mine who I was friends with and, and her husband was a flight instructor. And I used to watch their kids when he was busy working on the weekends at the FBO and she was a resident on call. So if I was, if she was on call, I wasn't on call and I could watch their kids. And somehow um, at some point it turned into, you want to just go take a ride in the airplane at some point. Um, and then I realized that that was something that I had to, had to learn how to do. So I didn't do a whole lot of prep work in advance for, especially that first flight. And I did, um, if I recall correctly, I probably did two kind of intro flights first where there really weren't any expectations, which, which was actually kind of nice um, because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't have any preconceived notions of what flight training should be or shouldn't be. And my instructor was also very um, just kind of laid back because he didn't have any expectations that I would want to actually, you know, be serious about learning to um, go down the path to gain my certificate and my license. So 
um, it was nice just to be able to go out, experience flying the airplane, get a feel for what the controls were like, decide I wanted to do that. Um, but then once I did decide I was going to go down that pathway, um, the first thing I did was got my written out of the way. So, um, because I was busy doing a whole lot of other things at the time, including residency program, um, I basically did all of that study on my own. Um, but I used, gosh, I'm not even sure which books I used anymore because, um, I was fortunate enough to be able to borrow those materials from my, my flight instructor since he was a personal friend. Um, so that's kind of covering a couple of things there. Um, Anyone else want to chime in on things to do in advance of starting flight school? Uh, yeah, I can. Uh, I'll add to a couple things that you mentioned. Um, I think the medical is a good thing uh, in the U.S., which is where you are, which is where he is. You know, basic med. You still need a. Um, you still need to pass at least one medical. So unless That's what you're I planning, was trying to remember, I think you, you do need to do have yeah. one medical under your belt. Correct. Okay. Right, and and you can become a sport pilot. Um, without ever getting a medical, but, uh, that kind of limits you, um, with what you can do and what airplanes you can fly. So, you know, if that's a, a path you're interested in and you have some issues with your medical, um, that'd be one route to go, but yeah, you're going to, outside of that, you're going to have to get at least one medical. So that's definitely a good thing to, um, get sorted out before you start just because it could, uh, you could avoid some, uh, heartburn or costs that you wouldn't get back, I guess. Um, and then as far as taking the written, uh, man, I, I agree that you can do a ton of, um, at home study and at home learning to help prepare yourself for that, uh, for getting in the airplane. Um, and I used to think, uh, so when I got my private, my, um, my dad helped me get my private license cause he's a, you know, he's a pilot and an airplane person and. This is back when I was uh, 18 or 19, and he made me uh, get a – he made me pass my written before I started flying, um, which wasn't a big deal because I was 18 or 19. I didn't have anything else to do, and I basically knocked everything out in one summer. And uh, now that I'm trying to get my instrument rating, uh, I am going to have to get ready to go back and pass the instrument written for the third time this spring. Uh because I passed it once and, uh, then we had a kid and it lapsed before I could get around to finishing it. And then I passed it again and I took my airplane apart for a three month project that turned into two years. And, um, so here we are, but I, I think that, I think that it would be really beneficial for you to be prepared both financially and at a point in your life where you can like really commit to doing this in like three or four months. I think it'll be a lot cheaper. I think it'll be a lot more efficient from a learning standpoint. If you can go out and fly three times a week versus one time a week or every other week, because you'll be, you know, if you're flying once a month or once every two weeks, you're going to spend half the lesson kind of rehashing, you know, stuff that you had learned and then kind of started to slide away. Whereas, um, you know, if you could get after it and hammer it, I think, um, it's kind of a balance, right? Like you want it to be fun. It's a hobby and you want it to be something you enjoy. So you don't want to like stress yourself out or overload yourself with it. But I would definitely say being aggressive could help with some of those, you know, help make all the aspects of it more efficient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and along with that, I could probably say to just to, to, to kind of um, piggyback and want uh, on what Nick said there. 
um, when things don't go the way you expected them to go, just remember that you're, you're just learning this for the first time. And it happens to all of us where um, the desired outcome of a particular lesson is not what you expected or something, or it's not what you thought. It didn't go the way you thought it was going to go. Don't at all. Um, it is, you know, something new. You are learning a new skill and um, um, it's um, at least the way the, when I went through it, uh, I obviously set a certain um, um, standard for myself, a personal standard. And if I was unable to attain to that standard for that particular flight, obviously I took it pretty hard because I wasn't a very, very um, restricted timeline um, for many, many reasons, one of them being financially. Uh, but then again, that could that could work against you. So uh, if, if things don't work out the way you think they're going to work out in that particular lesson, don't 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 be too hard on yourself. Just shake it off. Think about what you did. Think about how you could fix it and then go do it again. Um, mm. That's Yeah, it can certainly be humbling at times, you know, and I think a lot of us are very driven and used to things happening the way that we um think they're supposed to the first time around. And that's not always the case with, with learning a skill like this. Um, kind of moving on to the the next question there, or um, kind of number three, I was looking at, um, as you mentioned, is the cockpit of the airplane not being the best classroom. Um, I think that depends on the person, to be honest. Um, some people will, will do much better with having something explained to them in great detail before, you know, just on the ground with, models, diagrams, just a verbal or written explanation of what's going to happen once you get into the airplane. Um, other people need to need to see that happen, you know, and, and experience it and know what that, that looks and feels like. So um, this is one of those things where I think you kind of have to know what type of learner you are. If you haven't been in a structured or formal learning environment for a long time, that can be hard to remember. Um, for me, it was kind of the opposite. I just, we just got in the airplane and, and went through maneuvers. We didn't, you know, we would talk about things in to some degree, but most of the time learning was actually in the aircraft. Yeah. I, uh, when you're talking about renting airplanes and having the tack running and everything, I, I kind of go, uh, both directions. You know, I think, I think there's a lot to learn. Uh, obviously, especially when you're starting, you're going to, you're going to show up and you're going to brief with the, uh, instructor that you have, and then you're going to go out and do your flight and then you're going to come back. And I think that um, like having pretty pointed debriefs and spending time when all that information is fresh in your mind um, in a lower stress situation uh, is also pretty beneficial. You know, and even if you're, uh, I'm not super familiar with the cost for everything, but even if your instructor, you know, is charging you the full instruction rate, but you're not paying the airplane rate, you know, you might be looking at something like $50 an hour versus 50 plus $120 an hour to go out and do something in the airplane and then come back and sit for an hour after you fly or half an hour after you fly and uh, really thoroughly debrief everything. Um, I've also found it pretty beneficial, uh, especially when I started my instrument or when I first started working on my instrument rating. Um I'm I'm pretty comfortable in the airplane from like a stick and rudder sense because I've been flying uh, little airplanes and light airplanes for a long time. But once we started adding in all the procedures and all of the different 
buttonology and knobology with the radios, I found myself getting overwhelmed pretty easily. And so uh, one of the things that I did that I thought was pretty beneficial was, you know, I kind of set up a little camera um, in my airplane where we could record everything. And I've got a wire that goes into my intercom. And so I can basically record um, every flight that we do. And then, um, you know, if I get, if I get overwhelmed or over, uh, oversaturated in a situation, I may not, I may notice one or two things that are happening and then we go back and watch it and you'll pick up three or four other things that you didn't notice in the moment. But it, uh, it's just one of those things that'll kind of accelerate your learning curve a little bit, I think. Um, something you can do that I used to do when I was in flight school was, and it doesn't, cost a dollar as long as there's an airplane available you can just go and tear fly and just go sit in the uh go sit in the airplane go sit in the cockpit and just go through your procedures that way and in fact we we do that to this day as airline pilots every time you go out and get a new type rating um we we do that uh somebody will you know well a lot of times these are these are provided by the company but you know people get creative and they'll they'll put up the They'll put together an actual um, uh, flight deck with the panels, or the overhead, and then the front panel, and the and then the uh, the aisle stand, and all that stuff. And you'll go through your procedures that way, um, which it it helps a lot because a lot of this stuff is. I mean, as, 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 I mean when, when you're talking about procedures, a lot of this stuff is muscle memory. So um, a chair flying is a huge. Um, uh, it, it's a big um, tool that you have to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, with regards to a specific question about the flight school and CFIs at the local airport here, um, it's actually been several years since I've been down there. I have, um, I did do some instruction or I did some um, mostly rental and then I would work on, you know, just staying instrument current with one of their instructors and BFRs and things like that. Um, I don't think those instructors are there anymore. So I don't know. And especially with the, uh, you know, um, not only the hiring hiring environment currently, but also pre-pandemic. I think a lot of there's been a lot of turnover, perhaps. But with regards to what to look for, um, so certainly you know cost and availability of airplanes is is one thing. You want to know what their structure looks like. Um, and but for an instructor, I think it's got to be someone that you kind of mesh with, and and you'll know that when you start talking to them and and going through some lessons and training. Um, it should be someone that's very easy for you to get along with. You know, um, they're going to be giving you a lot of <laughs> training and information and, and um, you want to be able to feel relaxed and comfortable in that environment, especially if, if you're kind of in that student role as an adult and haven't been in that role for a long time. And I think there's um, instructors who excel at that and some who um, you might find it to be a bit more, more challenging, but um not everybody's going to be a good match with everybody else. So, um, you know, I think sometimes people get stuck with an instructor that they like them, they're a good person, but for whatever reason, um, just either instruction styles and learning styles don't match completely, or they're just not, um, you know, they're just not a good fit for each other in, in some way. So don't be afraid to, you know, try flying with a different instructor or ask for a different instructor. Like that's perfectly within your right. You're paying for it. So. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And I, you know, another thing is it, there's a lot of, uh, I've heard a lot of negative feedback about, you know, guys who are low time pilots who get their CFI and, you know, kind of their sole purpose is to just build their time to get to the 1500 hour threshold to leave for the airlines. And That's I, I exactly think exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, um, I think that there are guys that can have that goal and still be good instructors and Absolutely. guys that have that goal and 
are not fully committed to it. So that's kind of a, I, I think that kind of goes back to what Steph was talking about, where you, you need to sit down with them and chat with them for half an hour, kind of get a feel for, you know, where their head's at, make sure they're like passionate about it, passionate enough about it to still provide you good instruction. And then also make sure that they don't have 1,450 hours and they're going to leave halfway through your training because I think that would be, uh, yeah. you know, that would be so 1,450 hours. They're actually already out the door. Yeah. <laughs> How many hours do you have? <laughs> that's uh, a valid question. I don't know. This day and age. Yeah. No, and, and that's, that's a big, the huge, valid, valid point. Absolutely. Remember that when you're, when you're um, getting to know your, um, your instructor, your CFI, you're in, in essence interviewing him or her. For the job, and uh, it's—I mean—you are the one that hires them, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> as your uh, as your instructor. And so this—it's—it's it's entirely your call. I mean that 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 aspect of it is your call. You know whether you hire yeah. this person or not. So make sure that you do your homework, because that is going to have an impact on how your training progresses down the road and how um, uh, whether it's a good experience or a bad experience. So. Um, and I mean, I've experienced kind of all of those, you know, and I've heard those negative criticisms like uh, Nixie was mentioning. But um, yeah, I've had I've been only very lucky in having had very, very good CFIs, but very different CFIs anywhere from, you know, those who didn't really have airline aspirations and had been around for a long time and uh, really kind of honed their craft in teaching because that's what they enjoyed doing to those who, um, you know, were going the airline route and definitely trying to build hours. Um, but they were, I was very fortunate in that that particular instructor was still very committed to being a good instructor, making sure that her students, um, were, you know, knew their stuff, were good at what they were doing, were ready for their check rides. Um, yeah, they, they can be good in, in any of those pathways. And just to, uh, I just want to answer uh, Neil Neil's question here. Uh, Neil says, Rick, is working through things in chair flying better than the sim, or is it fidelity of the sim good enough? It's it's different. So w when I talk about chair flying, um, I, I, I'm basically referring to um, uh, the, basically burning the procedures into your head as far as flows, what things need to be done at a specific um, um portion of the flight uh, there's a pre-flight flow a before start flow an after start flow that kind of stuff that you know when when you're when you're chair flying um that comes in very very handy when you're when you're when you're in the actual sim um you are obviously past that stage because before you get to the sim you go through what's called a, a flight training device which is in essence a um um, a fixed base simulator uh, where all the switches and all the buttons work and all that. So uh, before you get to the full full flight sim, you go through that first. And so before you get to the FTD, you have to get your flows down. And the way to get your flows down is to either read the book or chair fly, which is you know what a lot of us do. So to kind of answer that, how do we do on answering all these questions here? Any um, anyone have any roadblocks or hurdles? I was very lucky in that I really did not. Um, not for, not for flight training necessarily, but there's always stuff that comes up. There's, there's life things that happens. There's airplane maintenance issues that happens. There's CFIs leaving and changing CFIs. There's, uh, medical issues potentially along mm. the way. Um, you know, it's all part and parcel of it and you have to be flexible and able to, to adapt. As far as, uh, for me, and I'm talking personally here, um, then again, I went to flight school, you know, 
over 20 years ago, but uh, back in the day, we didn't have moving maps and magenta lines wow. and any, any of this stuff. So uh, we, we still we still had, uh, I remember as part of my check ride, it was a, was a fixed card NDB approach into runway 27 at Sanford. Because that day just so happened that the wind was blowing out of the west that we had to do an NDB into two seven and a back course localizer into Orlando Executive. Oh, lucky! No, I know. I'm, I'm just, I'm that, just that, that, lucky. that deserves uh, a this. Yeehaw! Exactly. And the and the and the problem with that is that if you bust any of those maneuvers, you have to requal on that maneuver. And so for winds mm. to blow out of the west. It's it's it doesn't happen often there, but um, just to go back to uh, what was a little difficult for me was um, I mean the instrument rating man it was it's um, <laughs> at least back then a lot of the things are um, uh, just just working out and and learning about situational awareness and where you are in space and relationship to a to a nav to a navigational facility uh, when you're uh, you know back when we had to actually center the CDI when we didn't have a moving map or any of that stuff, um, you know, which way to turn this, which way to turn the, the course deviation indicator to center the needle, how to fly a, um, a DME arc, um, you know, properly, you know, without following a magenta line, that kind of stuff. So for me back in the day, that was, uh, but then once it clicked, it clicked. So in my experience, the toughest rating was the instrument rating because of that because a lot of that stuff needs to be figured out in your head you need to know uh you need to be able to visualize where you are in space in relationship to a radial or or a course or, or a nav aid um and so um and then learning to just to just fly the aircraft based entirely on on instruments and how to um work on your scan filter what data to use at that moment um so that that was that was a little tricky but then but then as i said once it clicks it clicks and you're good one of my hurdles was always landing i still haven't figured it out <laughs> yeah you want your uh, you want the number of landings to be the same as number of takeoffs in your lockbook oh crap <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. uh -oh. Steph's in trouble. Uh oh. <laughs> yep. Uh oh. Uh oh. I'm about 150 off. Is that a problem? I'm not sure. Yeah. I still landed, just not inside the airplane. So. That's true. That's true. Well, thank you so much, Carolina Jeff, for for uh, posing these questions, and and we are, you know, we we look forward to hearing you know, how this all goes and what decisions you've made as far as choosing a school and CFI and, and, uh, yeah, great advice from the, uh, co-hosts here that, you know, are really in tune to this kind of thing. So, uh, I'm glad we were, we had a chance to give you that uh, advice. And, uh, if you have anything else, no, any thanks, other questions for, for us? Spend a little bit of time on that because I think other people have similar questions. Yeah. It's, he, he posed them very yeah. succinctly, mm -hmm. and um, it was good to go through that. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Uh, we're going to move on to the next one. And uh, let's see. This is from Boom Operator Chris. He's a boom operator. Boom 
he knows how to operate that boom. All right. Uh, hey, Captain Jeff and the whole APG crew and community. This feedback might be a little long. However, I thought you would get a kick out of this. My syndrome is in full swing. In driving home from work today, I was listening to APG 228 when, well, that's a while ago, when you all broadcast from Captain Nick's back garden. Uh, when the coffee fund came on, back when you used the song from the Ink Spots, Everyone sang along, and Captain Jeff messed up the lyrics, which he pointed out. Uh, from the back seat, I heard my five-year-old daughter singing along and has it down word for word. I think this is the first case of the syndrome being transmitted to someone else. I always knew it was contagious. <laughs> I, I told him, I said, I'd You're love to have a recording of, of your daughter singing this. Uh, let's see. Dr. Steph, as a doctor... Do you have any guidance on the proper dosage dosage for the go-around acillin for a five-year-old? Uh, the 36 daily doses are obviously having no effect on me. So I think we're still doing the trials because um, it was a lesser recognized syndrome in, in children. But um, I think the guidance for now is just, yeah, 36 doses for everybody, no matter what. It'll be fine. I think, Captain Nick, uh, last time we oh, – this is another one we kind of touched upon – on a previous show, and I think Captain Nick, your idea was that the new research going into the little lollipops that they're putting the go around yeah. the cylinder. Oh. Yeah, I think they're going to be a, a boon be for the sweets. kids. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. You stick the lollipops in your ears. I was just thinking that oh. way you get your sugar along with the go around a cylinder, right? <laughs> so you can be all I like, didn't realize. super amped up. And, full of sugar yeah. makes the go around a yeah, you stick the lollipops in your ears so you can't hear the show anymore. Uh, <laughs> oh. Well, we really don't want Ooh. that. Actually, kinda... <laughs> wow. I don't know. Maybe it's wow, a good idea. Uh, let's see. On Actually, another note, a probably to stick the go around a cylinder. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. put the capsules in your ears. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll give that a try. Let's start a new trial uh, with that <laughs> protocol. All right. On another note, probably much to Captain Nick's delight, uh, this Boeing guy is taking his first flight on an Airbus at the end of March, and on a 330-200 to boot. I do have a little trepidation, but it's all that an island airline flies from Sacramento to Honolulu. Still can't figure out why they got rid of their 757s. Uh, Nick probably has a re uh, knows uh, that they've always flown. But I do have a question for Dr. Steph. I've heard you mention on quite a few episodes during the Getting to Know Us segment, when you do travel, you get upgraded to either first or business from time to time. How do you do that? This is my first time flying as a customer. I've always non-revved on Acme. My dad recently retired from them after 30 years. I was even daring enough to non-rev to Jamaica for our honeymoon 10 years ago. Uh, got to fly on a Mad Dog from a a a ATL, and I loved it. Do I casually mention we're going to Honolulu, Honolulu for our 10-year anniversary when checking in? I'm sure they hear something of that sort every day. Thanks in advance for the info. And uh, so... What, what do you think? you have any advice or, or, or explanation so as I've, how you do all I've heard tales that? of folks, um, you know, giving their reasons for why they're flying, you know, anniversary or some, some sort of big event or, you know, bringing uh, uh, – sweets of some sort or chocolates for the uh for the cabin crew and and scoring an upgrade um that's never been my experience um unfortunately <laughs> so um the and, and jeff and nick were mentioning this before the show when we were talking about the feedback coming up but the 
the sad truth is that I actually just spend a lot of money on flying and travel. So <laughs> I have um, worked my way into very high um, status tier with the airline that I most often fly, um, which does come with, uh, we'll, we'll call it uh, perks in quotes, because I've sadly already spent quite a lot of money to get to that point. Um, but when it turns out when you spend a lot of money, um, occasionally they will, um, uh, for instance, the airline that I usually fly with, um, if there's room to upgrade, it's an automatic upgrade request. And then that's based on how high of status you actually have with the airline. Um, so the more status you build, the more likely it is that you get that upgrade request. Um, the request is complimentary um, for the, the level of status that, that I that I have um, for lower tiers of status. It's you can um, you get allotted so many upgrade requests, I suppose, per per year um, or per miles flown, or I forget exactly how it works. Um, and then other times, um, if it's if it's a long flight, and I've decided I I don't want to sit in the back and I want a bigger seat or a comfier seat or a lie flat seat. Sometimes there'll be opportunities to use miles to upgrade. Um, and I usually just make that request a couple days beforehand if it's available. So yeah, sadly there's no, um, not, it's not a lot of sweet talking or, uh, uh, uh luck. It's, it's money spent previously. So. You know, honestly, the, you know, like giving the sweets and that kind of thing to the flight attendants. I'm, I know that at Acme, the flight attendants really have no power or authority to move somebody yeah. from one section to another section. It's all the gate agent thing, and they could so get give in the trouble sweets for to the doing gate it. Agent. There you go. That could work. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, I'm really not sure, and I, I, I've only heard tale of that happening, and, and definitely not with domestic carriers here in the the U.S. I don't think that's a thing. Um, but, but you, you know, might if you're get going to be like uh, free drinks and that kind of thing. You know, this, I mean, it wouldn't be sitting in the new class of service, but at least you might get some, you know, some extras back wherever you happen yeah. to be sitting. And, you know, they certainly would appreciate it. And it's nice to have. Um, I, I think they, especially cabin crew, <laughs> they've been through a lot of abuse recently. So anyone um, who is, is kind to them is going to um, kind of make their day a little bit. So they would appreciate it no matter what. But, but yeah, if you're going to be flying a lot in the future, you know, the, the and it, it's, it's funny because um, before I started traveling a whole lot, I didn't really think about this or appreciate it, but it is nice to have um, some of the perks that come along with that status. If you, if you do travel a lot and you need to make last minute changes to your itinerary or you want flexibility and what time you fly during the day, a lot of times there's same day flight change for no charge. Um, you get your bags for, for free, check bags for free. So, but it, it only works out if you're actually going to be doing that flying anyway, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, very good. Well, thank you, Steph. You're, you're the yeah. expert on our crew that, uh, in regard to that kind of stuff. Um, Captain Nick, um, I know it's getting late there in, uh, England. I was thinking before you go, um, I think you can go ahead and fit in the, uh, extemporaneous, uh, uh, presentation of this week's plane tale. So take it away. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Oh yeah! Look, the connection, your connection, Nick, it's breaking yeah. up. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Hey, yeah. Thank you. Oh, we can hear you now. Okay. Yep. We don't have time for it now. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to uh, say great 
to see you all. Uh, lovely to have the whole team on. And uh, I'll catch you next week, hopefully. Uh, and um, I'm going to hit the hay because uh, the, the lovely long, young lady I live with uh, will be up in the wee hours of the morning to, uh, and I'll mm. need to be around. So, uh, Nick, do you have something you can work with uh, t- title-wise, or should we talk to you, send you with some thoughts no, later? All, or all those are horrible. Um, so okay. Fi- find some decent <laughs> okay. ones. Well, for how sake. do you really feel? About it? Okay. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. <laughs> Tell us how you feel. I think the, uh, the fatigue has caused him to be more honest than usual. Even so. uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, we yeah. completely understand. Please give Julie our uh, best wishes. And oh uh, yeah, she's uh, she's going to be dancing recovery. around uh, before too long. I'm sure. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Thanks very much. Bye, yeah, everybody. Uh, dancing See around you, trying to avoid that uh, robot lawn lawnmower. <laughs> All right. We'll see you. Good night, Nick. (laughs) Cheers. Good night. Bye. All right. Oh, he just faded away there. That was fancy. Uh, 21A. Yes, ma'am. Heading there right now. Um, Right. Okay. Boom Operator Chris. Oh, this is another one from Boom Operator Chris. We've already played the Boom Operator clip, so we'll skip that. And this one happens to be for Rick. And uh, it says, hey, APG crew, attached is my first audio feedback. Yikes. Uh, Also, Captain Nick, well, he just left. Maybe he's still listening. Get well soon. I can't wait to hear you back on the podcast. Well, he's here. He did get well soon. Uh, To this for Rick for a while. Yeah, we have uh, Liz is making the point that the reason why we're just now playing this is because we were waiting for Rick to be here for him to uh, uh, tackle this uh, feedback. Um, and then he also has a Plain Tales suggestion, uh, which uh, we forwarded to Nick. And uh, so maybe he'll be able to contact you about that. Um, he said, uh, not sure if you've covered it yet but i'm dealing with my syndrome working my way back through the okay so his suggestion he wasn't sure that nick had uh, covered this uh particular thing the story uh on a plain tale or not so there you go that was uh what he was uh writing in about and now without further ado we're gonna play chris uh chris's uh audio feedback so here we go hey captain jeff captain rick dr steph captain nick and of course the wonderful liz piper Boom Operator Chris here. This is the first time I'm sending in actual voice feedback. Been a long time since I've sent in feedback. But I do have a question for Captain Rick. Uh, in regards to episode 507, uh, talking about the uh, news item where the stowaway stowed away in the nose gear of the Bone 747. My one question is, about that is... Is there a access to the any compartment in, through the nose gear on the 7-4? reason I ask that is because on the KC-10, um, we were able to get into the any compartment through the nose gear, and it was one of the ways for us to get into the aircraft if there was no air stairs available. Um, we were able to climb the nose gear, go through a door to get in the any compartment, and then get into the cockpit. One of the two ways. The other way was a center accessories compartment, stand on a fire bottle, Ford of the Pogo, and then get into the jet that way. But being that the stowaway survived two flights, did not freeze to death, my thoughts were that he 
was able to get into the unique apartment, which is A, pressurized, and B, climate controlled. So that's how he didn't freeze, didn't fall out when the nose gear came down, didn't have to stand or hang on to anything. So that's where my thought goes. Um, yeah, I could be wrong, and I'm just uh, hoping Miami Rick could uh, give a little insight into that, being that he's a fantastic Boeing 747 pilot, you know, go Boeing, bad Airbus. Um, since this is my uh, first voice feedback, I just want to tell Captain Nick, uh, thank you very much for all your plane tales. I love them. My favorite by far is from episode or from APG 45. <clears throat> when you, uh, talked about, um, towing, um, fighters, I if I remember the, uh, name of the plane tail was, uh, young tiger. Um, thank you as a boom operator. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for telling that plane tail because that is a very little known thing that, uh, we were able to do. It was something developed during the war ad hoc. There was no procedures. Boom operators just figured out how to help stricken aircraft by doing towing fighters and doing the toboggan maneuver. Um, those are now in the books, and it's a procedure that can and will be done if necessary. But that plane tail is, like I said, by far my favorite, and it made me so happy hearing you uh, tell that plane tail. Um, but, you know, thank you guys for everything you do. Love the podcast, and uh, keep up the great work. I will talk to you later. Boom operator Chris, out. So, Miami Rick, uh, what do you think about his supposition regarding the E&E compartment? Yeah, there we go. I think we lost you there for a second, Jeff. But um, the um, oh, I'm sorry. So basically, yeah. So basically, the uh, the um, the nose landing gear uh, wheel well for the seven four. It's it's unpressurized, so there's absolutely no access between that portion of the aircraft to any other part of the airplane uh there is access to the e and e from the what would be akin to the lower um the the front um uh cabin of of the airplane and in and in uh, seven four uh, freighters the, the the front portion of the uh cargo main deck um, you can access the ENE from there, and then obviously from the outside of the aircraft, right behind the uh, the nose landing gear, uh, there's an access there as well. But to answer his question specifically, uh, there is no access from the wheel well to the ENE whatsoever. So the the fact that this uh, this uh, person made it um, in an unpressurized um, compartment at uh, that temperature is it's uh, and you live to tell about it is is truly miraculous so um yeah no no connection whatsoever between one and the other all right <laughs> there you have it the expert on the 747 nose wheel compartment and other things <laughs> uh, Irony. let's see are you still am i still breaking up or am i still uh it's a little better now just right at the very end of yeah. the feedback it cut out for a second we didn't hear your exact question uh, that's all people are i'm sorry your, your yeah those netflix people pictures fuzzy but we can hear you okay right now oh really i'm sorry i'm doing the best i can all right uh let's move to 21b uh oh thank thank you chris for taking the time the chat room. out to uh you know put the uh 
audio feedback together and uh, you know, I'm sure Captain Nick appreciated the accolades for his uh, plane tale regarding the uh, towing the fighters. Uh, he's done a lot of actual uh, actually he's done a lot of um, really good pro tanker uh, kind of plane tales over over time. So all right, let's uh, move to 21B uh, feedback from Nigel. Uh, I believe Nigel's with us still in the uh, live audience. He says, hi, Captain Jeff and crew. <laughs> uh, just listening to Tequila Tower and not missing Captain Slick retired while the medics look for his heart, which I haven't discovered in the last 45 years. <laughs> Let's to, to, we'll pause what for a, a moment. Nigel, what a friend. <laughs> yeah, yes. Nigel is a quote unquote friend of Captain Nix. Uh, they've known each other for quite a long time, and they are really apparently are 45 good years. Friends. <laughs> yeah, 45 years. Um, and anyway, uh, I'd just like to clarify Captain Rickopedia's discussion on cost index. He says that flying at a lower cost index might burn a little extra fuel. My understanding is that the lowest cost index, which is zero, will always burn the least fuel in cruise. However, Doing that might increase the overall operating cost, especially when you take freighter pilots' hourly salaries into account. If you're short of fuel one day or need maximum range, fly cost index zero. Best wishes, Nigel Demery. What do you think there, Nick? I mean, Rick. Yeah, so uh, no, that that is true. The the um, the lower the cost index, the lower the fuel can. Consumption. The higher the cost index, the higher the speed, and so the higher the fuel consumption. Um, I can I can see what he and what uh, what uh, Nigel is saying here. Uh, so also remember that um, there are two types of drag. You have induced drag, which is drag that is uh, a byproduct of lift, and then there is parasite drag, which is a drag that is byproduct of speed. Uh, but talking about a cost index and only cost index, that is that is in fact the case. The lower the cost index, the longer your um, your range, or the, the the less fuel you'll burn. And but but then again, as he mentions, that there are other um, costs that um, that come tacked on to that because you know we pilots get paid by the hour, so you have operating costs for crew, you have. Um, um, other costs as well. Um, I was I was I was looking here through some of my notes and. Um, um, it's perhaps, um, uh, helpful to note that, uh, at least in my experience, I've never flown, uh, with cost index zero, uh, which is, which would, uh, would give you the, 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 the longest, uh, or the, the largest, uh, range. Uh, we do, however, fly, uh, what's called LRC or long range cruise. And the interesting thing about long-range crews is that uh, it says here, I'm gonna, and I'm going to read directly from the uh, book uh, Aerodynamics for Naval Aviators. This is uh, the 1965 revision. It basically says that most long-range cruise operation is conducted at the flight condition, which provides 99% of the absolute maximum specific range. Uh, the advantage of this is that that 1% range is traded for 3 to 5% higher cruise velocity. So that's what you're. That's the one right there. Yep. That's what LRC is, and a lot of a lot of cost indices, um, uh, a lot of airlines use a cost index that is around what long range cruise is because of that uh, that that very reason there. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically what I have on that. The lower the cost index, the greater your range. The higher the cost index, the more fuel you burn, the shorter the flight. 
but on both ends of the spectrum, there are um, costs that come um, associated with that. Very good. And they, um, Nigel also included a link to um, a uh, an article on Boeing.com regarding fuel conservation strategies. Cost. Oh index. yeah, that's uh, explain. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, Aero Magazine quarter zero four zero seven. Um, that's a, it's a fantastic magazine. It's, it's a publication that, uh, it, uh, I, I used to subscribe to this and read it whenever it came out. It, they've, uh, they've since discontinued it, but, uh, the oh. little nuggets of knowledge that you find in there are just, just amazing. And you can still find it online. Uh, just Aero magazine. I think it's still on the Boeing website there. Um, just great stuff. Excellent. Well, we'll have a link to that in the, in the show notes. Um, continuing with, uh, some more feedback for Rick. Um, this is from, whoa, I don't know. Oh, drop something. Hang on. Did somebody, okay. I thought maybe, uh, somebody fell over. Um, still here. Yeah. And, still here. Okay, good. Okay. We're all here still. That's good. <laughs> um, this is from, uh, Robert and he says, this appears to be an older post, uh, but I don't know if the crew is aware. And this is from ideas.lego.com. And this is from Robert Tucker. No, excuse me, Robert, who is living now in Tucker, Georgia. And uh, the link is from, again, um, ideas.lego.com. Boeing 747 cockpit. Uh, We're on the video, if you happen to be watching that. uh, We have the image of the interior, uh, the cockpit of a Boeing 747 uh, made from legos and says take to the skies and pilot your own boeing 747 aircraft from the pilot seat recreate this iconic aircraft from inside the cockpit itself and play with this fantastic display the queen of of the skies first flew in 69 and is still being made to this day it's been produced in 21 different models and the cockpit flight deck layout shown represents the 747-400 but that's not to say it couldn't be a little different the 747 has a long history of commercial flight and other service, such as transporting the space shuttle. Anyway, so it goes into uh, some details about the features of this Lego 747 cockpit interior. And uh, what do you think about that, uh, Rick? Does it look similar? Wow, look at that. It's, I mean, the, uh, the color is, the, the, the color of the flight deck is spot on. Um, and it's... Uh, <laughs> There, I'm, 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 I'm expanding it here. So, wow, that's that looks really nice. Look at that. It's got the four throttles, the flap lever, the, the speed brake, the yoke. It's, uh, it's, it's spot on. Look at the mode control panels right on. It's, yeah, it's perfect. I love it. Uh-huh. It's a lot of patience to put that thing together, though. Yeah, I wonder sure. how big that is. Like, you know, what scale that is. I don't know. Is it like, you know, like it couldn't be full scale. I mean, it must be like a, you know. Those would be giant Legos. <laughs> yeah, it would be. There would be it huge would be. Legos. Yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to dress up as a uh, as a Lego man to uh, mm-hmm. to fit there properly. I guess. <laughs> Is, uh, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, Lego wow. by leg. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, one more, I think. Uh, oh, this is a good one. Um, hi Liz. Yeah. Uh, this is from uh, Michael. Uh, he says, "Hi Liz. Thought this would perk the interest of Rick with his Belgian Malinois." Did I say that right? Yeah. Malinois. Yeah, that's right. Oh, is it Michelle? Okay. Well, I'm not sure if it's Michelle, Michael, 
Michael, I don't know. Um, if it's French, he says, I have no idea. Michel, I don't know. Is it French? I mean, is this guy French? <laughs> I don't uh, know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, he said, so uh, his Belgian Malinois, uh, no idea what the plural of Malinois would be. Um, what would it be, Rick? The plural of? Uh, probably, I don't, I have no idea. Belgian, Belgian, yeah, Malinois. You only have one, so you really don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, glad to, glad to hear Captain Nick has recovered from his, uh, AF, um, atrial, atrial fibrillation. Fibrillation. Yeah, thank you. Atrial uh, Hello to Jeff. There you go. Thank you. That. Yeah. Uh, hello to Jeff and the rest of the crew, a loyal supporter from Down Under and loving the show. Thank you very much. Um, M-I-C-H-E-L. Send us some uh, <laughs> a, a phonetic pronunciation guide, please. Phonetic, yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a movie coming out on February 18 called Dog. Oh, I've wanted to see that. Did you Have you seen that movie, Rick? Dog, hello. Oh, you're you're free. There you are. There he hello. is. Okay, you're back. You're back. Yep. Gotcha. Oh, this is going to be so much fun editing. <laughs> um, so have you have you uh, had a chance to see the movie Dog? Rick, I I live it every day here at home. Um, <laughs> you don't need to see so, the stick. No, I don't. I don't. I don't need to. I don't need to see it. I know how it ends. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, I hope it's a happy ending and not a sad ending. It's a happy ending, absolutely. Okay, good. It, it stars Channing Tatum and a highly trained Belgian Malinois. It's a road trip slash buddy movie. People are going to see this film, and many will want their own Belgian Malinois. Malinois. Exactly. Now I'm like I'm not even sure I'm saying that right anymore. Uh, this is not going to end well for this breed. Hmm. A highly trained Malinois is a work of art. So is Michelangelo's statue of David, but I don't necessarily want it in my living room. <laughs> Why not? Um, let's see. Yeah, th- this, this breed. Is a, this is yeah, a. Go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. Go. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. No, no, no. You, you, no, I was, I was going to say that that this, it's, and it's funny because Kai and I were talking about this the other day when when we found out that this movie is coming out. And, you know, a lot of people are going to go out and you know try to get their own Malinois, and in fact, the little puppy Malinois that we have is one of those instances where you know where someone went out and got a Belgian Malinois because they thought it was cute and didn't know what they were getting mm-hmm. into. Uh, this is a very, very intense breed. Um, they are. Um, very high energy and need to be handled by people that know what they're doing. Not because of um, anything else than the fact that they are dogs that they're, they're, they're working dogs. And so they need to be trained properly. They need to be put to work. Um, they need to be given a lot of room. You can't have a Belgian Malinois in you know, in, in, a, in a small, you know, in a small apartment or a small house or, you know, they, they need a lot of, a lot of room to run and roam. Um, and so I can certainly see how, uh, a lot of people will see this movie and see how cute these dogs are, go out and get one. And then sadly the rescues are going to be, um, uh, overrun with Belgian Malinois. Um, which is why um, it's if if you really are in the market for one of these dogs, uh, it's it's always a good idea to go out and to your local rescue uh, and see if they have any available. And if you are up to the challenge, then absolutely. But uh, and there's a lot of resources out there on how to um, uh, train one of these and how to work with one of these. There's a lot of people out there that uh, um, 
you know, just do it out of the, the goodness, the kindness of their hearts. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of classes, a lot of, um, obedience classes, agility classes, that kind of stuff. In fact, today's, um, our little, um, a puppy's last uh, class for the first portion of her agility class, which um, we'll, we'll be going here, we'll be going to in in in, in the next hour or so. So, um, great dogs, amazing dogs, but just just be just just be advised, just be aware that this is not a basset hound. This is a very high energy, very intelligent working dog, and needs to be treated as such. That's good stuff. Good good for people to know. Fair enough. Yeah. Great dogs. All right. I mean, wonderful oh, yeah. dogs. They're but, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I don't know if I've actually encountered one myself in, in, in person, but uh, they're beautiful dogs. Maybe one of these days if yeah. Rick ever invites me over. Oh, to yeah. Place. You will. Absolutely. You don't need an invitation. You should come <laughs> Just <right> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Um, eight. Jeff, number eight. Yeah, let's do uh, number eight. Uh, this is from Ivor. Um, I usually play a little, little sound uh, here, I hear it now in the background. Do you? Say yes. Um, yes. Dear all at Plain Talking UK. Hmm, <laughs> wait a minute. Many congratulations on your wonderful achievement of reaching 400 shows, a truly praiseworthy milestone, and you correctly celebrated in great fashion. What a venue to choose. Brooklyn's is, of course, steeped in motor racing history, and sadly, in some ways steeped in aviation history but this of course ended its motor racing days bloody world wars but nonetheless a great venue and a great show i've always enjoyed your show particularly when you compare it to some of the other and quite frankly dull aviation offerings out in podcast land i don't want to play a light of criticism on the other shows so no names but let's just say that it's good to know you guys know when to end a show I've listened to a podcast that regularly goes on for three hours, three hours every week. As they say in London, core blimey, governor. I've also listened to an aviation podcast where the average age of the presenters is almost prehistoric. (laughs) So much so that they sensibly have the services of a qualified doctor on hand, just in case. (laughs) Um, I also admire you guys at PTUK for, you know, I think that he doesn't realize he sent this to us and not PTUK. Well, okay. I, I think we should just continue uh, reading it though. Cause PTUK I think we would appreciate yes. it if we did. Yeah. <laughs> I also admire you guys at PTUK for being multinational, having the charming and very knowledgeable Armando on the show. He gives a level headed and insightful look into his particular field of aviation. This is something I've heard other podcasts try Try being the appropriate word. One show, based in the USA, has a foreign correspondent, supposedly a chap from the UK, but rumors suggest an Antipodian connection. Is that right? Antipodian uh, connection? Antipodian. Antipodian connection. Antipodian. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually said it like two or three times. Um, It's just this connection's bad. I know. I know. Um, Apart from this revelation, all he talks about... What, Liz? Oh, dear. Hello? Yeah, you're jumping jumping around there a bit. It's okay. Keep going. You're frozen There it went again. Yeah. Yep. I... I just, that was like I that wait. was perfect timing when he said I know, it was perfect. bad, and, bad. and then it was like junk <laughs> <laughs> right down the tubes. Uh, yeah. This is this, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, you're back, you're back. oh, I'm back. Now you're yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, we hear you. Kind of. I was going to say, I know this must be kind frustrating of. for you because I'm coming in in bits and pieces. And uh, we, no, we were actually just talking about how funny it was that you were like perfectly fine until you said the connection's bad, and then like broke then up as you were making that statement. I actually heard you everything you guys were saying. Um, it's oh, just really? that <laughs> my upload, I guess the up the up band. Yeah, we, must be you, you just, just freeze nothing. and we hear nothing from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. Keep going. You're good right now. Okay. Uh, so we talked about the prehistoric guys and the qualified doctor. Um, okay. Uh, um, go to Antipodean and go on Okay. But rumors suggest an Antipodean connection apart from this revelation. All he talks about are his balls or his bowels, or is it bowls? Who knows? Anyway, this chap seems to drink. <laughs> as do the other presenters, including the doctor. What sort of example is this to set? (laughs) Uh, They do have one presenter who has youth and knowledge on his side. I can't remember his name, but it's something like Alabama Shakes or something along these lines. But it seems uh, he seems to know his onions from his shallots. Maybe PTUK could offer this Pensacola Pete or whatever his name is, a birth on your esteemed show. He does have a tendency to go on a bit, but I'm sure you guys could keep him in check. The show he's on at the moment, just let him go on and on and on. (laughs) I suspect this is a deliberate ploy by the other presenters on his current show. It allows them to get out their mobility scooters to either take a comfort break or more likely to get more drink from the cooler. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I must leave now, and congratulations again. I believe other shows have achieved some milestones as well, but it's quality that counts. Bravo, chaps. Love from Mr. Ivor McDonald, sent from his den of inequity. Inequity? (laughs) Not iniquity. (laughs) Did he do that on purpose, I wonder? Uh, He probably uh, did. Certainly. Most certainly. (laughs) Oh, Ivor, so we Ivor, love you and appreciate you. And, yeah, that's, uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. You should t- drink a toast to him. Yeah, so I don't, I don't have, I have, I've already drunk everything in my glass, Liz. I can't, how am I going to, why is it like yeah. a little drop oh. left? I got, okay. I have a little swig. Here. Ready? Here. Okay. Bottoms up. Here's to Ivor. Here's to you, Ivor. Cheers. 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 Mm. Oh, that last week is just terrible. Anyway, we, yeah, it, mine wasn't good at all. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I love you, Ivor. And I know you love us too. All right. Um, nine. Uh, let's see. This is from James. I'm not sure if I want to do any more audio feedback, Liz, because okay. of the fact that okay. nobody can hear it. <laughs> um, all right. So then why don't we finish off with number? 14? How about number okay. 10? Uh, she's thinking, um, maybe there has been a noticeable three hours. There has been a noticeable uptick in your appearance, Captain Jeff. Yes. If that makes a difference. You're much less fuzzy. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for noticing. Well, do you want to try the, yeah. Okay. That is up to you and the amount of work you think you have to do. My director, director is saying, go to number 14 and wrap it up. Okay. I like that. Uh, this is from Tim. I believe it's Tim Van Ram. Have you ever heard of that guy? Um, he uh, he sent um, this um, image uh, from the, the Twatters, I think uh, Nick likes to call it. And he said, I thought you would enjoy this. Uh, 1993, 
you'll be living in a van down by the river. <laughs> 2022. If you save up 45000 maybe one day you could live in a van down by the river. <laughs> and I have to say, Tim, and Tim knows this, but that picture of that That van is not a $45,000 van. That is not a $45,000. <laughs> multiply that by like four, right? <laughs> to, to even get something close to how much that thing oh, really? right I was thinking by like 2.5, maybe. No, no that. that thing oh, is really? probably, it's probably pushing... 150 to 200 grand, wow. I bet. Wow. Yeah, they're not cheap. Mm-mm. All right. But yeah, it is funny how, um, yeah, I'm going to tell people living I'm in living in a van down by the river. Down by the river. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hard times. Motivational. <laughs> no, great, actually. Step away. Yeah. Jeff Rick, will, yeah. Jeff Rick won't be back. That clunk was something. We'll talk about it later, but he will oh. be back. Okay. Rick is not going to be back. Um, so sadly, uh, we, we can't say goodbye, but hopefully everything is, is okay over there, Rick. Um, and let's see what else. Oh, probably want to do the, the normal, the things, right? Um, yeah. Airline pilot here. Okay. Wrap up. It's wrap up time. Uh, we are on, uh, on the internets on, uh, airline pilot guy.com. And, uh, there you'll find all kinds of stuff. Just check it out. Good stuff. And uh, we are also on the social meds, and Steph's going to tell us all about that. We are. We're on Facebook, but Jeff never goes there, so don't expect to hear from him. That's airline pilot guy <laughs> or facebook.com slash airline pilot guy. Um, we are on Twitter. Uh, I think we're all mostly there, some more than off, more often than others, but we're at APG crew, and you can find our individual Twitter handles pinned to the top of that page. And finally, Instagram, um, APG crew is the handle there. And, um, I don't know, I've been saying for like a year now that I'm going to start posting Nick's artwork there, but maybe one of these days I will. <laughs> but just or keep maybe, saying it. Maybe Nick <laughs> will actually like take the hint that I'm never going to do it and do it himself. Cause I think he's got the, the login codes and everything. He, he could, yeah. um, and he's, he's retired. So he's got more time than I do to, to put effort right, into he that. He ain't doing anything. No, he's not doing anything. So, um, <laughs> But if you if you really want the deep dive into into the inner workings of the community, that would be Slack, and I'll let Halal tell us about that if he's there with you yeah. in, in wherever well, it is that you are right now, Jeff. I forgot. Actually, he sent in this recording uh, uh, explaining about how you can join the Slack team at APG. Here you go. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. All right. Thank you uh, very, very much, uh, Hillel, for Jeff, taking the time. this is my private time. Well, okay. Oh, I didn't realize he was there with you in person. I thought you had sent him the... Uh, well, I it's, think it's that was... Uh, that there. From his own yeah. bathroom this time? He's, yeah. I don't know where he is, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Probably best but we that do way. Appreci- we do appreciate his... His uh, hard work of managing the, uh, the those those slackers out there. So, check it out if uh, if you want. And we also want to say a big thank you for 
all the hard work that uh, our producer director, my assistant Liz, does. She's awesome. Uh, Thanks, really Jeff. Do Thanks, everybody. Everything. My pleasure. Yay. Thank you, Liz. All right. And until next time, wishing you clear skies, limited visibility. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. That applause just faded out really abruptly. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> wishing you clear skies, cloudy, unlimited. Cloudy skies, limited visibility. And <laughs> I, am, I am really tired. I don't think I got enough sleep. You're on last your night. own. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very early morning. I think I got up at three something. Uh, okay. Wishing you clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Talons, Douglas. Cheers, y'all. See you next Bye, time. Bye, everybody. Yeah, he's up in the sky. It's the airline pilot guy. Good day. a good good pilot till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats I'm always flying I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline, how they got